Welcome to episode 80 of Zap to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I'm joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We're using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week, we're going to be starting our look at March 1988 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 35 of zap 64 along with what was also going on in the uk singles chart that month so graham what have we got going on this week in this refurbished pub turned swarthy new cocktail lounge with a full menu of fancy liquid delights such as the champagne fused gonzo bikini the vodka based rubber dub trouble the rum enriched jack's black eye and the classic pink bunker do of an episode. We digest our weightiest tomes yet, slide into our apparently transparent cockpits, and head on a secret military mission in an allegedly fictional aeroplane with Project Stealth Fighter, brave 100 levels of gauntlet-inspired walls, keys, and multicoloured rats in the nearly brand but well-named Demon Stalkers, scoff in abject disbelief at the juvenile and utterly rubbish shoot-em-up crapola, zip, and head into side-scrolling control confusion in the interesting but underbaked conversion of the arcade sidearms. If that subtle blend of creme de menthe, Jaeger and red wine, otherwise known as the twisted brain wrong, hasn't quite made your eyeballs sweat, we also ping and boing around the flick screen spectrum-like nonsense of the unwanted sequel Eyeball 2, spend a day in the life of a running alien, getting absolutely nowhere and frustrated at the same time with the little green man, find an albus inhaler and clear out our nasal passages for a first-class ticket to Hothmium, before making a greasy lasagna, preparing a barrage of witty one-liners and heading into the wandering world of the sardonic cat in Garfield. Big, fat, hairy deal. It's not what you'd call rich pickings in this episode, but at least one of these games has a manual that can also double up as bog paper for a while. Now that's good wiping. Hey. I know it's not good. Or is it? It might be good. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We don't know. We don't know. We've, we play them as we find them, and then we find them as we play them. Absolutely. Usually buried deep. <laughs> deep. deep. Oh, they're buried so deep. Deep. Um, but before we do that, as ever, as is our usual routine, let us, uh, with a new month, let us look at the cover. Da, 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 da. So the cover is uh, issue 35. It says March 1988. It's £1.25 in, in our money. Deutschmark's mm. 7.5. And also $3.50 to the US. Oh, US market tapped. Uh, absolutely. Well tapped. well tapped. Well tapped. We're in. What do you think of this cover, Graham? It's obviously an homage in some weird way to a kind of uh, 2001 type idea, isn't it? It uh, is, where yes. The monolith is in the view of an astronaut on the moon, I'm guessing, or at least it looks like it. Yeah, so I, so. I know a little bit about this. Uh, uh, Mr. Rignall tweeted something about this recently. He was t- saying about his, I think it was in honour of Oliver Frey, he was saying about his top 10 covers, and he was saying that they were discussing this, and he suggested putting the monolith with Zap64 in it from 2001 in the reflection. Mm. So that was his suggestion, and Oliver Frey just went away and went, what, like this? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's obviously some game that we'll come across at some point. But it's I suppose, a, a Polo, yeah, Apollo eighteen. I think yeah. that's. I think that's coming along in either the next one of the Ooh. next three or four weeks. Um, so it's going to be very slow, probably slow vectors landing on the moon. Probably to <laughs> ruin it, didn't you? Is that the, <laughs> the single the police never released? Slow vectors on the moon. You're going to hate this game. Slow vectors on the moon. <laughs> I will, if it's that. Flickery graphics and no frame rate. <laughs> Walking on the moon. <laughs> you can go from Dizzo all the way, all the way to Lave. <laughs> Some may say... No, I'm getting carried away. <laughs> Why didn't the... they start with a uh, docking, ba- docking machine? <laughs> yeah, with a bay. <laughs> 80 episodes later and we still not forgot that. We'll still, we'll st- we'll still be going as well. we'll st- in 80 <laughs> episodes time, we'll still be going. Still be travelling to Dizzo. It's it's a good cover, that. Classic Oliver Frey attention to detail there with the 18 on his space suit. And yep. it's just, it's a good, it's a, and also the, there's a, like a gold sheen to the visor of the astronaut's visor, uh, which is what they are. They actually have a gold covering on them to for some sort of radiation, I think. Or maybe they just look cool, I don't know. But uh, I really like that. It is a really good cover, that. Really, it's it's, he captures movement very well. I love it. I love it. Really cool. Yeah, it's it's also as well. You know, it's kind of yeah. It's hiking to two thousand and one in it, and I like the way that the monolith has suddenly landed in between this person and the moon lander. Though he's not noticed it. Yeah. Yes. It's just it's uh, it's quite good that. And uh, I'm not sure if that's a moon or a planet or what that is. In is also reflecting there, but it's obviously a long way from home. Very long way from home. Um. Yeah, talking about games, so Apollo 18 covered Predator. Project Stealth Fighter is revealed. Mm, revealed, reveal, Graham. Revealed. Revealed. Yes. And Ikara Warriors finally yomps in. Is yomp a word? Is that, is that a word? I think romp is a word, I don't know, but yomp. Yomp? Do you, do you yomp? What's it mean? Can something yomp? Can something yomp? Yomps in. I don't oh, know. Yomps now. Yomps yeah, now. Is, is now. Anyway. There's also another day at the arcades, so they bogged off mm. down the, uh, to the arcades, and a free pull-out poster. Yeah, of... I don't know. Just the words. It just says free pull-out poster when you pull it out. That's all that's on it. <laughs> just those words. Ah, <laughs> It does exactly what it says. Thank you very much. The quality of the posters has gone down somewhat. <laughs> it's free, isn't it? It's pull-out. Oh, yeah. But I thought there'd be a picture of something. <laughs> there is a picture of the words free, pull-out. Pull out. You can put that on anything you like and pretend you're giving it away for free. And you can pull it out. <laughs> but don't do that. Don't pull it. You might get arrested. Yeah, don't put any trousers. <laughs> don't say we no. told you to do that. Nobody, no, we, we're denying all knowledge of that. Uh, all knowledge. Us. We didn't do that. Yeah, there's not really much to say about the cover. It's just, it's just good. It's well drawn, well good, well drawn and well grown. Yes, always good. And it, the, the curve he's got on the visor is really clever. I really think that really works. Yes, yes, really it does. Really clever stuff, really clever stuff. It is. It's nice. Yeah. So there we go. That's your cover. That's that, right. Should we get into some games? I think we should. I think we should. Let's move on into our first game then. And Graham, don your stealth gear, mm. get your fighting going, and tell us all about Project Stealth Fighter. Big old thing, this, really. Three pages in the magazine, this took. Three three whole pages, mm. which is ironic, considering the manual takes another 66 to 70 pages. Of the a, one I looked at was 120. Yeah, it was, well, I, I must have been looking at it. It's double pages, isn't it? So it's 120 Crazy, pages. crazy. 
It is crazy. This is a £19.95. I'm guessing a disc-based because there's lots of little loads. Gold medal. This is a gold medal. Is this our first gold medal of the... Uh, I believe uh, so. Yeah, I think so, yeah. First gold medal. So it's a big old deal. 96% this achieved. 96%. Anyway. Which means that they've lowered their scale for a gold medal. It used to be 97. All right. Okay. Well, they've done, maybe they have. I don't know. Maybe they did it just for this. Um, it's coded by Jim Sinowski, Dan Chang, Edward N. Hill and... Uh, Edward, sorry, Edward N. Hill Jr., I nearly called him Junior Greg then. And then Greg uh, Tavares. I think those are principally the same people behind the other Microprose games. Graphics are by Michael Hare and Michelle Mahan. I think that's the male spelling of Michelle as well. So interestingly, like the French male spelling. Michelle. Possibly. Um, the design is Jim Sinowski. Jim Sinowski. And Jim Sinowski did it. <laughs> ah, you've reached the... Reached the- <laughs> you've reached the answer machine. Jim Sinowski. Um, and Arnold Hendrick. And the musician here is Ken... Lagace, 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 Jim Sinowski is involved in <laughs> Officer <Yeah>. Grabowski. <laughs> you have reached here of Officer Jim Sinowski. Anyway, enough of that. Um, so this is another, a hev- this is a heavy thing, heavyweight, heavy, 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 heavy. And do you know what? I am not going to dive too far into the heaviness because of a number of different reasons. Too so, heavy. Well, it, this this is not just a flight simulator. <laughs> this is not just an advert for a, a, pop, a popular supermarket. This is this is and this is more than that. And there's a lot to this. And it, to try and cover this, this could almost be an episode in its own right. This is massively heavy weight. I mean, the instruction manual for this is absolutely crazy, crazy to the point where they had government specialists in their office checking that they weren't revealing secrets or something that doesn't even exist. Because the fun thing about all of this, well, yeah, there's there's two ways of looking at this. So the F-19 is the designation for a hypothetical US fighter aircraft that's never actually been officially acknowledged and has engendered much speculation that it might refer to a type of aircraft whose existence is classified still. So does that mean it exists? Well, there was a classic comedian at one point that said, because there was a lot of this, and this game actually falls as part of this. This was all potentially propaganda to try and scare the Russians at the time. It was the the big sort of Cold War enemy at the time. Mm-hmm. But also to put the you know the fear of God that they had this super advanced invisible stealth fighter, which they didn't actually have in that way at that time. But it, so they, this is part of the propaganda machine. And a famous comedian said the best solution to this problem is just to tell them that you've got thousands of them and they're everywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, we've got, we've got one or two of these things. They've, they've, had, they've, had them for, they've had them for years, they're everywhere. By the way, the unification for the numbering system is uh, in the US for fighter planes. And it's amazing what you discover when you read this manual of this this epic manual. It's like reading The Lord of the Rings. Is that uh, US fighters have been designated by consecutive numbers, beginning with the F-1 Fury. The F-13 has never been assigned because it's considered unlucky. So obviously there's different designations for different kinds of flight planes, but principally fighter planes, F, bombers, B, that kind of thing. After the F-18 Hornet, the next announced aircraft was the YF-20 Tiger Shark. And the US, US Air Force proposed the F-19 designation for the fighter, but Northrop requested the F-20 instead. I won't talk any more about that because I can see you glazing over and I'm actually, I've, I've, fallen, I've already fallen asleep three times. Absolutely. We've lost like a thousand listeners. <laughs> the problem with all of this is that this this is the level of detail beyond the level of detail that this game goes into. So, and principally this is all constructed around this made up, well not made, I don't know, is it made up? I don't know. There is actually a F-117 stealth fighter that, do, that does actually exist. And there's also a stealth bomber. Who knows if this is a real thing nowadays anyway, it doesn't matter. We've got probably got, you know, I don't know, see-through super fighters, drones and everything. So this is essentially a, a, a really heavyweight microprose 
flight simulator follow-up to all their other heavyweight flight simulator type things. So this is the follow-on, not follow-on, but the follow-on game from Gunship, I believe. Yes, and, it and is. then was, what was the other Macapros simulation one in between? It's the the, com, the the thingy one, wasn't it? Was it Macapros, the one that was like Commando? But I think Man's Commando, I think was. Oh, was Airborne Ranger. Airborne Ranger. So this is along in their long line of, let's create a game. All right, how can we make it fun? Well, the first thing we need to do is so thoroughly research the subject matter that we're going to do this game about <laughs> that it actually becomes controversial. So uh, that's what they do here. So it's a self Obviously, you are the pilot of a stealth fighter, or you will be in the game. Another simulation, you can choose from four different campaigns, which is, I think, Persian, Persia, North Cape, Libya. Uh, they're of their time, and Central Europe, I think, Europe. Um, and obviously, there's loads of different mission types. There's Cold War, Limited War, Conventional War. You can choose which kind of armaments you've got. It's a microprose flight simulator. Mm-hmm. So you're going to spend the first percentage of this loading lots of little sequences in, and answering lots of questions about so something that if you haven't read the extensive manual, really kind of not really going to know what you're really doing. So this does it is a game that requires extensive reading. And I really mean that because to get the most out of this, you would need to have done that. Mm-hmm. I'll come back to why that's going to be a problem for me with this game shortly. Um, so there's also, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different missions and objectives. I actually went straight for the jugular in this and I just wanted to get into the flight simulator. I wanted to fly the plane as quickly as possible. And you can do that. There's a way you could just sort of go, right, just skip, skip to the front kind of thing. Just go for these. If there's like a little guide in there, quick flight options in the manual. So do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. You'll be in the air. This game came with an overlay originally that would overlay over the Commodore 64 keyboard. So without that, it's actually, I had, I sort of got the controls that I had off a couple of the different websites I'd found on one screen and the game on another, and periodically just kind of tried to pause it as best I could to sort of figure out, Mm because there are so many controls on this game. And it's amazing that they have them, but there's loads of them. You you can't just take off. And I so I started in, I forget even where I was, because I I actually made it, when I first loaded it up and went through it, I got the code wrong, because you have to identify, as is usual, the security method on this is a 70-page book of airplane um, schematics. So you've got to dive through all of them. I got the wrong one by some... Because they all look bloody same when you're tired. <laughs> so I got the wrong one anyway. So it just started... But it, did, it didn't actually stop me playing the game. It just put me into a, a level that I think I had very little control over. But I was able to get in the air and fly around a bit and get a bit of a feel of flying the airplane and stuff. Fired a few missiles off um, and just sort of, you know, took it for a bit of a... I would say a Firefox-style run around the sky, really. You know, not the film Firefox. Because then eventually I just crashed on what I thought was an ice cube. An ice cube. An ice... An ice what do you call them? A base here. You've got a whole bunch of options for this that you have to go through, select your type of mission and everything else. And this and that does mean that you've got a whole bunch of different ways you can sort of come at this game. And the, really, the main way you're going to come at this is so you're going to have to read and play the manual. There's a really, really clever AI throughout this game when you get into it. This is famous for its like landmark AI for this title. And so when you're doing the different missions, whether you are doing the spy missions, which are quite clever, whether you're doing the... Um, because there's some missions that you have to fly and you have to sort of take, not photographs, but recon missions. There's other ones where you uh, you have to take out specific targets and things like that. There's others where you just have to not engage with the There's quite a lot of scope in all of these different missions. And as with all these Microprose games, they, they play out in very complicated ways to the point when you get to the actual game. You have to sort of juggle all the different parameters and then go through them, avoiding some of the sort of missile strikes, surface-to-air missiles getting tagged on radars you've got different weapon systems you can use you've got all sorts of different scenarios that say that play out it's quite a complicated game and i didn't get so far into all the different complications because it would take forever to do that mm-hmm. forever mm-hmm. just the dogfighting section alone in the manual is 30 pages just that section yep 
And that's, I mean, if you, I, I feel like, I've, we said this before about Gunship, but I feel with this one particular, this was the most in-depth I've ever seen them go about anything. This was on a whole, I mean, this had tactics of flying an airplane. I think you could actually give this manual to a pilot and they will probably look at it and go, you know what, that's actually pretty accurate. You fancy going in, in an F-19? You go, yeah. He goes, it doesn't exist, you idiot. Get out. <laughs> it doesn't exist. You've learned how, you've learned how to dogfight in a plane that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, well, no, does it? We'll go to the, we'll go to the airport now. We'll get in the spruce moose. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got again, like I said, there's a whole loads of different scenarios, and in the classic macroprose tradition that you can play, and then obviously if you complete the missions, then you get. Um, I think you get rankings in this one, a bit similar to Gunship, but there's all sorts of graphic in between those parts that are really well drawn like selecting screens. Even mm-hmm. the intro sequence is kind of weird when you see this sort of version of a stealth fighter sc- scroll across the screen with this really gloomy music that sounds like it's from, well, it is from The Shining, but it's actually a sort of a classical piece of music. So I yeah, forget yeah, what it's yeah. called now. Yeah. So it's, it's got all of those things. As well as all of that complexity, you've got all of the all of the really clever AI. If, you're, if you encounter an object and it targets you and you get away, they will come after you and try and follow you and they'll follow you around and they'll and they'll even try and sort of get in front of you and they'll try and predict where you're going to be it's really clever stuff that's going on underneath underneath all of that and so i take all of that into account graphically this i mean i'm going all the way up to the point when you're in the plane but all the graphics up to that point classic microprose traditions classic microprose look they really do look the part. There's a lot of them. Lots of little, like I say, the loading isn't actually that bad. Lots of micro loads, but the graphics, the payloads that you get, it all sort of plays. And it has this really good thematic that if you're into that kind of thing and you get into the space of this game, you're going to love it. However, as with all of these games, the production and the packaging and the game dev, you cannot question, even at full price, there's so much here. It's almost, it is value for money. The game itself has got so many options. You could never, you could play this a million different ways in a, for a million different ways and means. The manual itself would take you a good while to get through. It's so heavy. It's, it's just really dense and it's really heavily written as well. There's no fun or levity in that. It's not like, no. You know, there's no goofiness. It's absolutely dead dead, steadily serious stuff. Okay, I get that. It's fine. There's just so much here for this. And I kind of admired it. I thought the selection, like I said, the selection screen graphics, the graphics for the wider parts, they all look really nice. They're all well drawn. Loading's decent. All the way up to that point, selecting the option's great. It's not a game that drags its heels either. Because I think you can fly pretty rapidly when you, you know, you can be in it and you can be flying around pretty quickly. You can get into that. If that's the kind of experience you want, you can do that. But you really need to think about these missions you're going on. It's not that you can just fly off and target things at random. You've got very limited armaments. You've got very limited supplies of fuel. You have to think about these. So it's a little bit like the other game we played, um, which was the one with the, uh, the the not I was going to say hovercraft, but it was the hydrofoiled one. We had to think a little bit more about your tactics and your strategy oh, as yeah. well as Pegasus? everything else. Pegasus, was it Pegasus? Yeah, Pegasus, yeah. So I think the keyboard overlay missing was a hindrance for me. And without that, a replay and getting into the headspace for me was a bit more difficult this, on this. So I did have this way back in, in the day as well, believe it or not. I never think I ever played it more than twice, but I had it. Um, now, I obviously I, and it made no secret of it, I have a general dislike for vector flight sims. They're not my cup of tea at all. There's some incredible things going on in this game, though, it has to be said. The AI that I experienced, I think it was actually smart, way smarter than me playing this game. I think it didn't take long to outsmart me for an AI because it's that good and I'm so crap at this game that it was an unfair advantage immediately, really. Um, <laughs> the missions and the nature of, of the missions in them are really, really good and really thorough and really well-researched and really well really well done. So there's so much to go at and so much thought, so cerebral, quite incredible, really, especially when you think that it's all completely made up as well. So all of that or stuff- <laughs> or is it selection screens and the gameplay required to i think required to get into this and you have to this is a game you have to really learn and take your time to learn it so you know going into the controls how learning how to dogfight you, 
the more you put into this game, the more you're going to get out of it. And I don't get on with them because I always feel like at the end of a long series of sections, configurations, options, choosing things, going through all of that, going through all the drama, everything else, when you get to the actual game, they all look the bloody same. They (laughs) all look the same. Mm -hmm. So it ends up with the same sounds, the same experiences, and because of that, the same bloody issues. So now I think sometimes I'm beginning to think that these are more my issues than the game's issues. The game is is really clever what it packs into C64. I mean, let's be fair, it's an amazing thing, it is. But at the end of all of those options, you're presented with a juddery vector-based flight simulator. And I just can't get my head into the space of that equating that to anything other than what it is for me. Um, but there's so much extra stuff in here that, that that brings value to this that I know that for people who are really into these kind of flight simulators and this kind of experience and all the espionage and subterfuge that comes with it being a stealth fighter and all the brouhaha around the fact that it's this secret thing and all the rest of it. I think it just comes down in the end to the kind of player and kind of games you like as much as that's just, you know, it's a straight black and white choice. If you like flight simulators, this is an amazing one. And if you like really complicated, really lengthy explanations of instructions, this is going to be, you know, this is, this, it doesn't get any better than this. This is, this is the one, this is the big one. But for me, now I'm from the run and gun, bash and smash, beat and retreat, kick and punch, shooty things, bashy things. That's, that's, I like that. That's, that, that's the games that appeal for me. This, there's some really deeply immersive stuff in here for those that can stand that. And I actually stand a little bit in admiration of those people that have the the dexterity to read these manuals and take their time to really learn to play something that when they go through all of that, it's just <laughs> yep. for half an hour. And then the, the occasional and and go, that was the greatest gaming experience of my life. I'm like, okay, I admire you. you know, your commitment to that is, is admirable, but I'm going to go and uh, I'm just going to go and, and smash something with me, smashy, smashy game or shoot something a bit easier. I need, I need my, my, I have amazing admiration because, you know, they have more patience and a greater level of gratification in things than I possibly do. I'm instant gratification guy. These flight sims, I'm not going to spend time reading a 90-page manual, 160-page manual, whatever it was, to to get into this. But I'm sure somebody will. But not for me, though. Not for me. Amazing to look at, but eh. I'm sure you loved it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes me and you are different reviewers, and sometimes we're exactly the same. (laughs) Um, And so I I did what you did. I came at this. I I thought, do I look at this from a technical perspective or whether I enjoyed it? So, okay. Because we sometimes are guilty of coming at this and going, it's crap. Vector crap. Um, I I didn't want to do that with this. No, I didn't either. Because we've done it in the past and and it's like, okay, fair enough. But let's let's give it where it's due. If it's the former, so if I look at this from a technical perspective, and it's technically very good. And all those who like a bit of 8-bit flying and fighting are going to get proper wet in the cockpit area over this. (laughs) The wealth of options. Yay. In the... <laughs> what? Wet in the cockpit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are. The wealth of options, the style of the whole thing is top notch, as you've said. Great presentation throughout. Really good title sequence. The little visuals that play out upon finishing a mission. Um, I I pressed left shift in my first mission, which just ejected me, and then I just got <laughs> the the um the, the the visual sequence that is just me looking really depressed, and two there's two other guys on the other side of the screen looking at me, going. <laughs> Like whispering at each other, pointing at me. I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh, that's that's what they think of me." I didn't mean to. I just pressed the wrong button. <laughs> so yeah, to the uh, to the manual that comes with it, it's all top notch. And like even at twenty quid, this is if I, if this was your thing, then you would consider that twenty pound very well spent. Yep. As this is going to keep you playing for ages as you wage war against the aggressors in your state of the art non-existent aircraft. Shh. Controversial. Shh. Absolutely. We're going to get visited, you know that, for reviewing this. We're going to get asked Probably. questions. But but if I look at this from the second question, did I enjoy it? 
well, I liked everything by the playing of this. Keyboard overlays and lots of controls and front end that just don't disguise another vector graphics, blue, green, yellow, and black affair. This time with a slightly different hood and a slightly different engine sound. A little bit more to some as we've heard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a bit, a bit, of, a bit of filtering going on. Yeah, the C64 is just not built to these kind of games, just isn't. So once again, I got very bored very quickly. And yes, 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 yeah. I know it's, as you said, I know it's probably me rather than the game. Maybe it is, I don't know. And I can 100% understand how impressive getting something like this running on a one megahertz processor is. Don't get me wrong. From a technical perspective, wow, you know, poof. Yeah. There's only so much waiting I can handle as slow black lines move about a blue sea and I miss another bombing run or get buzzed by another vector graphics plane. Yeah, it's these just will never be for me. I'm like you. I, I, I can take cerebral, I can take it, but just these just don't do it mm. for me. They just don't. Yeah, I find them very the dull, very monotonous, and no amount of pre-flight with bangery or whatever sort of thing is going to disguise that once you boot into that cockpit it looks like a blue rectangle with a green you know sorry a blue rectangle but a green rectangle whatever it is yeah you know with some black lines moving about couldn't agree more (sighs) so project stealth fighter for me was just just yeah okay back then you'd be like oh it's amazing but i I never liked them back then i didn't this is just not my kind of game this isn't me going oh look at it now it looks crap i looked at it then and went and it looks boring yep and you were right i was about the saddle about everything that's right so we'll have to leave a message for Jim Sanowski <laughs> on his answer machine. Say, <laughs> so, sorry, Jim, somebody likes your game, but it's not me. And it ain't <laughs> us. Doesn't get no. the uh, zap to the past gold medal, no. that's for sure. No, three pages were dedicated to that. I and know. It's just, and, and that's, I know it's given the game justice in Zap. I mean, it's amazing that they went to three pages, but I suppose how you couldn't do any less. There's no way you could give that any less because it's so dense. Just to give it a one-page review would be too light. Two pages, not enough. Three pages, about the minimum you could really do for that. It it's is, such yeah. a whopper, I'm surprised isn't it? they didn't it's go to four. One. They probably did originally. Probably, probably. It's, probably an, it's probably a full, it's actually a pull-out. So you pull out the pages, it's <laughs> 90 pages long, and the review just, just a, goes on and on. Yeah, it's just a picture of Project Stealth Fighter on the cover, and that's it. That's all there is this month, just Project Stealth Fighter. So much detail. I mean, that manual is astonishing for its detail. It's it's. And it's available online. I mean, we'll put the links in the show notes. Go and check it out. If you, yeah. You know, take my word for it. You know, if you fancy wondering what an invisible and fantasy aeroplane is like to fly and dogfight, well, there's a manual for it. Man, Did you as that get sounds. the um, keyboard layout picture as well? There's an easy one. Yeah. Yeah, so I was, use, I was using that. I had that next to it where I was playing it, so... Yeah, um, so I got, I got a one screen. I had the game on the other, but once I got through all the options and figured all that out, then when I was in the aeroplane, such as I was, I was like, okay. And then and then I've, it's just that unexciting for me of going, right, I need to, to target, acquire, press M, missiles, choose <laughs> yeah. your missile, F1, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, okay, which missile do you want? Sidewinder or uh, two? Now, and it's like, oh, okay, I've got to fight. Oh, you missed. That's because it took me 10 minutes. <laughs> I tried to drop a bomb and I, I pressed release <laughs> when it was over my target. It went, uh, the, the lack of boom says you've missed. I flew around. Lack tried of to, boom? Somebody said something like that. I said the lack of <laughs> the lack of something may indicate that you missed. I'm like, okay, let's try again then. And then yeah. over the target area again, dropped a bomb. Now you missed again. Ah, yeah. I just was like, look, I, I know, I knew what to expect with this, yeah. but I went in with an open mind to try and think maybe this is the one, maybe this is the one. But like the name itself, the fun in this was too stealthy for me to spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets to the point, doesn't it, with the frame rate being what it is, that it does feel like a slow mo- slow motion camera is taking a trip around Kaplunk. <laughs> not my fun. Not, yeah. not, not what I call fun. It's not what I call fun, no. No, not in the slightest. <laughs> no, like but a, somebody does. So somebody does. Somebody gets proper wet Yeah. in the cockpit area. <laughs> Damp in the cockpit. It's damp in the cockpit. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm playing Project <laughs> Stealth Fighter and really enjoying it. Yeah. 
go and watch Top Gun instead. You'll probably get more out of that if you like. Oh, the new one. The new one's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's what I meant. The new one. Yeah. 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 Very good. There we go. Project Stealth Fighter was never going to be our cup of tea. Never, ever. Yeah. But it's somebody's cup of tea, and that's important. Absolutely. Someone's cup of tea and chocolate biscuit. Yep. Go for it. Go for it. Let's move along stealthily. Shh. Into our next one. Now, this has got to be good with this name, Demon Stalkers. <laughs> it's not an album by Dokken, then. <laughs> I wish it was. In the old <laughs> days, Graham, the land was peaceful. Yeah, it always is. Magicians, drunk on their own power and led by the Archmage Arthur. Oh, Not King God. Arthur, I'm imagining Dudley Moore, so he's always drunk. <laughs> well, he's drunk on his own juice. Yeah, created a st- and they created a series of catacombs beneath the fabled marbled vaults until 99 levels were completed beneath the surface. The 100th right. level is to be the crowning achievement. But alas, they had dug too deep. And they unearthed the demon Calvrak, who would go on to become known as Arthur's Bane. And just call him Calvrak. That's his name. Don't make up another name for him. He's got a name, Calvarak. Calvarak. Like, we're going to call you Arthur's Bane. And the name's Calvarak, thanks. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, no. don't rename renaming me. No, he's Cal- <laughs> you're Arthur's Bane now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm Calvarak. <laughs> Calvarak. Anyway, with his evil <laughs> army, Calvarak swept up through the catacombs so they had overtaken them all, causing a dark <sighs> spell to befall the land. Yes. Arthur, with his last remaining allies, Furrowfoot, Grindelwald, Imelda, and Bloodaxe, <laughs> Hopefully not Brian Bloodaxe. Tried one last attempt to retake the catacombs and beat back the demon, but it was a naff effort and they were never heard of again. Naff effort? <laughs> I might have even put that bit in. <laughs> it just su- suddenly lost all of its, lost its dungeoniness. But it was a naff effort. Naff effort. Naff off. Uh, legend tells of four awesome weapons scattered throughout the catacombs and for many a year... No one ventured near Doomfane, as the marble vaults became known. <laughs> Things are getting renamed all over the place in this intro, and I'm not quite sure I can handle it. You're off to the catacombs now. They've renamed it Doomfane. I'm Doomfane. off down there. You're off to Calvrak. No, I'm off to Arthur's Bane. <laughs> like, oh, in Doomfane. Stop rhyming stuff. Anyway, so yes, until you showed up, a demon stalker, are you destined to defeat Calvrak and restore prosperity to the land? Well, there's only one way to find out. Let's get into it. Exciting, that. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's good, good intro, isn't it? Uh, I should, uh, yeah, I should do uh, like audio books. Yeah. Uh, this is an EA game written and created by Microforte, Microforte, who consists of Stephen Wang, John Reedy, John De Megaretti, and Stephen Lewis. Stop giggling at the back there. I shouldn't Stop giggling. I shouldn't be laughing at Wang, but I, I did. Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Wang. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Wang. The game opens up with some options. One or two players, the level editor, and the ability to load a saved game. Pick up one or two players and you're in. But not before you have to enter the second disc and begin your descent through the catacombs. 99 levels await you on your quest to kill Calvrak. Can you do it? Probably not. This is a gauntlet clone, if you hadn't guessed by this point. You know, the clue was in the going down through 99 levels. Through and through, it's a gauntlet clone through and through, but in worse scrolling trousers and crapper graphics and sound. It's not subtle about it either. It really isn't. As far as no. gauntlet clones go, this you like you know, this is uh this is gauntlet to the max. Once the levels start, you're in the greyest of grey mazes and are set upon by that fantasy stalwart, hordes of rats. 
There's some of them are white and some are yellow. I think it's harder to kill the yellow ones, I think. Mm. Um, you kill They're these. Like the king rats. The king rats. King rats, yeah. You, so in the so the, the things you got to do, you, you kill the monsters, you collect the keys, open the doors with the keys, you kill some more rats, you pick up some food to top up your energy, you find some treasure, and eventually find some stairs leading down. Sound familiar? Sounds awfully familiar. Sounds awfully familiar, yeah, yeah. The screen is split with the top two-thirds giving the standard scrolling view from above, the gauntlet look above, and the UI at the bottom showing your health, your score, the number of keys collected, and three icons that represent your armor, strength, and magic power. Collecting certain objects as you progress through the catacombs can increase these, um, or they can also reduce them too, so be careful what you collect. This is very standard gauntlet apart from those icons, but the game is let down by many things. Most of all, some terrible scrolling. Terrible scrolling and poor visuals overall. The scrolling is headache-inducing. Um, going up at an angle sees it judder to the side and then either up or down, depending on which direction you're moving. So it doesn't go in a diagonal. It sort of goes to the right and then up, and it judders in both ways. Mm, it, it's some of the good. worst scrolling I've ever seen in a game. I know what you're like. I know I can imagine what this did to you. It must have popped an embolism in your head. But Did but, it make so, me happy? No, I didn't can imagine it didn't. Happy. But anyway, um, yeah, it's awful. Coupled with the floor design, which is some wavy lines. So it's like they've got this grey design. It's like these sort of tri- you know angular lines at like a seascape or whatever sort of thing, just constantly all across the, across the ground. And this way that this scrolls and they move, oh, it's awful. It's nausea-inducing. I, I actually felt quite seasick playing this. This then leads to being able to line up shops properly because of this crappy scrolling, because the enemy sprites, they kind of wiggle around in the scrolling of the screen and nothing seems to line up properly or feel solid. It's just bad. Um, when we played games like Gauntlet, Avenger, and all those other ones, I can't think of some of the other ones, I and mean, even some of the crappy ones probably, but the ones, scrolling's not hard to do, smooth scrolling. It should just be there, just done, but not in this. The sprites are quite poor. Your hero's just a little guy in a jumper. That's what it looked like to me. It just looked like he was running around in a jumper. And the rats and plants... I, I, I only didn't get very far into this. I, all I got attacked by was rats and plants. They, they attack you in the early stages. They're, they're, they're recognisable. They're a bit poorly realised, though, and they're not particularly very good, I didn't think. The rats hoard around you, but there are also signs to find uh, dotted around the maze as you go around them, which give you hints and clues as to how to take on the monsters and warn you of mm. things not to do. Like in the second level down, it says, don't shoot the plants because that makes them all come alive. So you got to be careful where you shoot and things like that. The one good thing about this, I did think, it's not, it's not a one-way trip. Going down a level will lead to stairs, you know, going down a level and then exploring that bit, you f- you find stairs that go lead back up to the level you've just been on. And that sort of leads you into like secret areas in the previous that you couldn't get to. So levels have got to be crossed multiple times and through various means in order to progress. I thought that was quite quite good. Um, I mean, each mm. level is a multi-load as well. Probably comes out in a bit, but so you're going up and down rather than just continuously find the exit, go down to the next one, like so in Gauntlet mm. style. So this has a bit more coherency within its level design. And that is probably the best thing about this, that there is some planning you have to do as you as you progress through the, through the levels. Um, because everything else is gauntlet. It's just gauntlet. There's no, there's no two ways around this. You can play two-player, but it's just, just gauntlet. The sprites are poor. The scrolling is lackluster, if, uh, you know, a nice word for it, and it leads to headaches. And the shooting of enemies feels poor and limp. If they had fixed the visuals, um, uh, and it's also, it feels, what's the word I'm looking for here? Leaden, slow. It doesn't feel mm. snappy. If they'd made the, no. the, the feedback a bit snappier and sorted out that bloody scrolling and done a bit more, it got some graphics wise. You know, I'm not normally a graphics hub, but here they, they just don't play very, they just don't look very nice. The notion of going back and forth through the dungeons could be more appealing, but the, you know, sort of early like Diablo esque or something like that or whatever, you know, that, that notion that this is a, 
a, a fully realized world where you've got to navigate up, down, go down a couple of levels, come back up, go down, and you're finding ways through and all that stuff. That's a nice idea, but it's just they've not done that. And the, those presentational issues drag this down quite a lot. So any desire to progress through the 100 levels to kill Calvrak is quickly lost, and the off key is swiftly pressed. Okay, so there's not a lot else to say about this. I did look, though, if they'd done anything else. Now, we have another Gauntlet clone by this lot, exactly this lot, called Fire something or other, Fire King, coming next year. So we'll see how they're going. Let's, let's hope that they've learned how to scroll the screen properly by then, because this yeah, but, could have been all right. There's some nice design ideas, but it's let down by poor implementation. That's what I thought. What about you? Very similar, actually. Very, very similar. It's obviously, like you say, a Gauntlet variant plays a lot like Gauntlet. I thought, like you, it had some neat ideas in there. I like quite like the approach they've taken because of the little staircases, little details like that. And because of that, it's strange. We're very similar. I thought it felt a little bit more coherent than Gauntlet because of that. The logic of the game, the the construction of the game, the the descent, the descent down the, the sort of various levels. It sort of it felt like that was a more coherent path than just wandering around like you're doing. Yeah, Gauntlet. it felt like a proper world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All good things. Sadly let down by flicky sprites and terrible implementation, including bad scrolling and just bad code, mm. which is a shame. I think there was probably something in there. You know, the enemy types were a bit weird. Like you say, the, the graphics, graphics weren't good. It's just, it's it's all, you know, parts of it are really good ideas. It's just not, and it is coherent as a game in terms of its logic, just not in the way it looks. It's let down by that quite badly. Um, and it's quite late to the dungeon, isn't it, this really? We've already had... The trouble is Gauntlet clones, most of them haven't been very good, with the exception of Druid, I think, really. Most of them have been kind of a letdown. This is just... Yeah, yeah. You know, so you're not really going to ever get compared with Gauntlet. You're just going to be compared with all the games that aren't as good as Gauntlet. And Gauntlet wasn't that great and it, to begin with on the C64. So I think had they spent a little bit more time, you might have got away with this. But as soon as you started getting more involved and renaming things in the story, you think, oh, this something rotten here and it is it's the, it's the look of it so sad sad 65 percent it got didn't it in zap it did probably yes about, probably about right for this actually i think that gives it a good the games there's parts of the game that are good but there's a lot that isn't yeah it's two-thirds there but the the playing actually playing of this is is painful and unpleasant yeah yeah and that's the, yeah. that's the problem so you want to you want to kind of like it because there's some nice ideas but mm. it, it's a game that puts you off no, there you go there you go. That's Demon Stalker. Stalkers. Sorry. Demon Stalkers. £10 as well it was. Full price. Mm. Not for me. Not for me. Let's move on. Let's get into our next one. We've still got two this half. Let's let's see what they are. Graham, zip. <laughs> Tell zip, us about zip, zip. zip. Zippity, zippity, zip, zip. One ninety nine special, this. From I think it was uh, was it Powerhouse this one I think uh, possibly yeah so the yeah, Powerhouse I'm sure Bite or someone or other I think it said Powerhouse logo I think on this crap title screen because it's let's be fair this is not good is it sixteen percent it achieved in the old Zapparoo coded yeah. by Darren Watts graphics by Darren Watts title screen by Darren Watts or Daz as he likes to be known mm. um, musician Jay Derrett <laughs> this is so, so bad. The other part of a spaceship, you've got a, uh, you've been sent to the five alternative worlds of the Alpha Centauri, of which Alpha Centauri is, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not even going to explore the logic of it. Um, and you've got to blow aliens up. So you've got to fly over. It's basically, think Warhawk. It's a, it's a kind of a really, really crap Warhawk, a buggy crap Warhawk. You've got to fly, it's a vertical scrolling shooter of a sort. You've got to fly from the bottom going upwards. Enemies such as they are will hump towards you periodically in various kind of crap <laughs> yeah. formations. 
You can shoot scenery. It won't help you or achieve anything. The only saving grace, you can hold down the fire button to shoot more rapidly, I think. But that's it, really. Periodically, you'll get menaced by giant letters, which are supposed to give you power-ups, but I didn't actually find they did anything other than they didn't really give me any... Because the extra speed ones did not speed me up massively. Smart bombs worked on extra lives, but if you get shot or you get hit by an alien, obviously you lose one of your three lives. That will happen repeatedly because these collision detection on this is off the chart crazy and broken. <laughs> Um, so it's utter buggy shit, this guy. It's just badly bugged, really badly bugged. It's just, I was playing it, I just kept blowing up for no reason. I'd shoot enemies. Um, there's this really weird pattern that keeps happening with these enemies sort of scroll along and then sort of elongate across the screen. Yeah. It's not even, they're not even in wave patterns or in um, sine waves. They just sort of come along and then go along in a, sort of in a line where they've just been like duplicated badly left and right, not even at the same rate. And mm-hmm. you might shoot the one that's in front of you, and even if you do, you're probably going to crash into the invisible shadow that it leaves, or maybe not, or just blow oh, the up explosion. For no reason. You die if you crash the explosion. Yeah, you, which is- yeah, it's, ah. it's just it's just bad. The graphics here are really craps, a really bad attempt at some kind of base relief. But you'll know from the minute you see the title screen that graphics and coding and and everything else are not. Darren Watts' greatest thing. That's not his name. I'm sure he's brilliant at all sorts of other things, but probably not this as much. <laughs> and it sort of shows here. I thought this was crap. And there's so many other shooters. You just buy Warhawk for one night. If you want this kind, this kind of thing done well, with better music and sounds and everything else for the same price, you would buy Warhawk. Why on earth would anyone buy this? And I suppose you might get away with some of the screen grabs. Might look okay on the back of the box if there are any, and you might be duped. But... Um, and according, by the way, according to the credits on uh, Moby Games, is is by Alistair Darren Watts. So I don't know if that's his. I don't know. But does it matter? It's rubbish, utter rubbish, waste of time, money, and everything else. And I didn't like it, but why would I? Because it's rubbish. Um, so not for me. This, which, I mean, it's just rubbish. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, unplayable nonsense. It's rubbish. Uh, at first, I couldn't speak to anything beyond about the fourth wave of enemies. As you move so slowly, you can't shoot them as to home in on you. Those home in on ones, it's like, oh, dead, dead. Yeah, dead. You know, it's rubbish. Certain deaths within seconds. Until I realised that the letters on the levels correspond to power-ups, which is great, but the first two that appear are out of reach of your bullets. Hey! Yep. Yep. <laughs> which is stupid. The yes, graphics it is. are glitchy. There's a horrible raster flicker at the top. Sprites yep. are just sprites for sprite's sake. The game moves at snail's pace. There's nothing satisfying in any of this. Nope, nope, yeah, it's nope. two quid, but so is Warhawk. And there's countless better shoot-ups. I would imagine things like Lightforce and everything are in the budget range now, probably somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And also as well, don't forget, we, uh, we've looked at loads of shmups that Gavin Rayburn put out, and they were Rayburn. all better than this. Yeah, and, yeah, they're better. And also just, yeah, finished. This, this, I'm sure this isn't finished. It didn't I don't think it. it's finished, yeah. It's a uh, Release it, I put releasing this in this state is just a joke. It's a broken facsimile of a shmup. And why is it called Zip? Stupid name, stupid game. Yep. What does Zip? Yep. What's Zip got to do with anything? Is it supposed to be Zippy? No idea. You know, no are, idea. You, are you being piloted by a by someone within uh, Rainbow? Just even the language and the tonality of it, you know, you've been sent to the brother worlds of Alpha Centauri. The brother worlds <laughs> of Alpha sense. Centauri. Alpha, <laughs> no. Alpha Centauri is not a world. No, it's not. Just get lost, you stupid thing. Zip off. Zippity-doo-don't. Yeah. Is Alpha Centauri a star? Yes. It's a star, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> oh, maybe it's been lost in translation or something. Yeah. I don't know. But this was really bad. It's one of the worst things we've looked at. Although, yeah, maybe not ages. the worst thing we'll look at this week. I don't think it is, but it's utterly, utterly dog egg. <laughs> it's utterly crap. You can yep. zip off. Yep. Um... Uh, in the words of Mr. Miyagi, no zip on. There we go. <laughs> zip. Crap. 16%. Too much. <laughs> really too yeah, much. Not wrong. Uh, let's move along. We've got one left. Uh, yeah, so next, uh, Sidearms, or to give its full name, Sidearms Hyperdyne. 
Yep, if you want that. This is an arcade conversion. It's that time again. Earth is under threat from an evil alien force, empire, a race, whatever. Check your pick. And only you and your mate, if they join in, can save the day. In this case, the evil empire is the boson. Boson? The boson. And you can play as either Lieutenant Henry or Sergeant Sanders, or both with two players, and you can go and kick some boson ass. So there you go. That's the plot. Sidearms Hyperdyne originated in the arcade, created by Capcom in 1986. It is very reminiscent of Capcom's earlier 1985 game, Section Z, or Section Z, I guess it would be over there. And in fact, borrows quite a lot from that, just in a more souped-up style. Indeed, it seems this is it seems to be the third, uh, the second uh, in this loose trilogy because the third game, Forgotten Worlds, comes later. So this is actually a trilogy of games starting with Section Z. I si- did not I- know that. Sidearms, Hyperdyne, and Forgotten Worlds coming later. I think it's a kind of loose trilogy. I got that info from uh, like Lord the, of the Rings. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I got that info from the arcade. I think it's the arcade Imperfect book. Oh, um, excellent. Um, so I've got that down here. Let me just quote it properly. Adrian um, is bending down. Yeah, it's Andrew Fisher's Arcade no, Imperfect. He's, he's bent book. up again. And he does mention that in there. But I had I had looked at uh, Section Z first, and I was like, it's just the same game almost. Just mm. obviously it looks nicer now. But there you go. So that's, that's the origination of this. I did bend down slightly there, yes. Anyway, the arcade game consists of levels that are separated by bosses, but it is continuously scrolling. So the game pauses whilst you fight a boss, and upon completion, scrolls seamlessly into the next level. It's not doesn't have like a level complete screen or anything like that. It just continuously keeps on Keep going. Keep on trucking. Yeah, there seems to be eight. I can't. I had a look on YouTube because no way I'm ever going to play through this. I'm not. I'm not. A, you know, I'm not brilliant. There seems to be eight main stages to the game in the arcade, and these mostly scroll from left to right as you go about shooting everything but sometimes they also scroll vertically as well so there are some vertical scrolling sections within the arcade game as well there are multiple power-ups to collect such as three-way firing lasers and shield balls i don't know what you call them sort of thing that orbit around you and protect you from damage along with speed ups to help navigate the array of enemies better the controls are interesting in the arcade in that whilst this is a continuously scrolling game to the right or down you have a button uh, to fire to the right and another button to fire to the left at any time, along with another button to select the power-up that is lit up in the bar along the bottom. So this is all in the arcade game. The graphics are big, bright and bold, the action is fast, and the music is stirring in the arcade. It's an arcade game that I have a lot of affection for. Um, I really like this in the arcade. It's just a good, It's got a good feel to it. It's a really good feel. It's classic yep. Capcom mid-80s arcade shooter. You could sort of get somewhere in it a bit as well, couldn't you, on a, yes. a couple of 10Ps? It felt like you were really getting into quite far into it. Yeah, you could. Yeah, it felt, you know, you could at least get past that first boss and into the second level yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and get, get going. And so with all that in mind, we come to the C64 version. This was released by Go, and it was developed by for Probe Software by Linden and Associates, and is some form of production from Pacific Dataworks International. Very fancy names going on. There. Fancy, fancy like, it sounds lady. Like a bunch of uh, uh, lawyers or solicitors. <laughs> it does, probably is. Um, that have made this. Anyway, it's a semi-decent loading screen. It's a bit bland, but it's, it's okay. It's passable. It's not a loading screen. It's okay. But once the game loads, the first thing that you notice is the reedy, weedy, weak version of the arcade tune. Just a bit. The arcade... The, 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 uh, I don't understand this. It's, this needed a decent C64 musician to step in here and do the duty, but it has not happened. That's a shame because the music in the arcade works to add atmosphere to the blasting. It's unusual. and But because, you know, if we look at what we got when Hubbard did the commando music, how much of the enjoyment mm-hmm. in that game comes from playing to that tune? And we've said it loads of time how great tunes can lift average games into a, into a you know an upper echelon. And, you know, I think that this game deserved better than the music we get here because it's new, new, new. New, 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 new. It's like it's big, bombastic. We need something good anyway. We don't have it here. It's annoying. 
The title screen of this shows a bombed city and it invites you to press fire to start. Nicely, pressing either joystick, port one or two, will start the game with you play the, playing the character assigned to, assigned to that port. That's quite good. And of course, pressing on both will initiate the two-player mode. So that's also cool. You can just get into it quite easily and quite quickly. Uh, you can also select the difficulty mode from easy, normal, or difficult, which I thought was another nice touch. You don't normally see that on arcade ports, but it's quite nice to see. So I like that. Once started, the game begins. And it looks kind of like sidearms, only through a C64 lens. So you're not going to get that snappy, brisk, vibrant arcade style. And what you're going to get is slightly muted, but it, it looks like sidearms. Our heroes blast onto the screen to the, ro- to the right, from the left to the right. So that's quite nice. We're not just starting in the middle of nowhere, as we've seen on quite a few of these arcade conversions. It starts properly. You come on from the left and you get shooting. We are lacking the name entry and intro from the arcade game, though. Um, but, you know, it's not a deal breaker, really. The C64 version starts off. It's very blue. Very blue. Um, but then so is the arcade, really. So it's all right. So most of the components of the arcade version seem to be present and correct. At the top, we have our score for both players and the high score. And at the bottom, we have our power-up bar. Now, picking your weapon from the bar has been removed from this. It seems to be different from the arcade. So I did play the arcade version as well uh, for this, uh, just to have a look at the pair of them. And so in this, um, and it's, uh, it's so that's changed. I'll come to how in, in a bit, but it's not the only thing that has changed. And it's here that the differences for me start to count a bit. So the C64, as we know, really only has one fire button. So it cannot do the two-button firing in either direction of the arcade version. So what happens is that moving left or right automatically changes your direction that you are facing to to go to that way so if you're if you move to the left you will face to the left if you move to the right you will face to the right in the arcade that doesn't happen you can you basically it's the fi- pressing the other fire button that switches you around so you can be facing to the right and move left and thing but you'll still be hammering to the right kind of like you know nemesis and all those kind of shooters you just can press another button to fire to the left and then you'll be always facing to the left this doesn't do that because with us so with a continuously scrolling to the right game this is a you know a bit problematical as if you head towards the right of the screen say to collect a power up and then you need to head back to the left of the screen that puts your back to the incoming enemies which are coming from the right and and has you shoot into the left which is not good because then you need to quickly face right again but then you want to get back to the other side of the screen because you're facing problem problem here that's the problem i'm not sure if this control could have been done differently, maybe just have you facing right all the time and get rid of the dual dual way fire, maybe. Or maybe holding the fire button and tapping to the left or right to change direction could have worked better. So you constantly tap to shoot and then hold it and then press left and it would flick you the other way. That would have been maybe a better better option. As it is, it's a pain in the ass. But, you know, it's 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 livable with, but it's it's not great. Because so, most of the game, you know, you, you want to be shooting to the right. So you kind of end up staying on the left of the screen and just moving to the right slightly and flicking back when you need to. So that that's not the way this game needs to be played. You need to be zipping about all over. Anyway, power-ups seem to be simply picked up in-game now, and, they fit, and they're fitted immediately, so you just fly straight over them. So when you shoot certain enemies, POW, POW, um, will sort of, a sprite will appear. Um, if you collect that, um, so if you click the power, then you get a speed up. You've got, I think, three, you can go faster at three into three stages. If you shoot it, though, if you shoot the power, it cycles through. From power, it goes to lasers. Shoot it again, it turns back to power. Shoot it finally, it goes to a three-way shot. Finally, it goes back to power. And I think that just loops around. And I think that's the power-ups in the C64 version. So a hint here uh, is to get the three-way shot, as you can then position yourself just to the right of the middle of the screen and dead center on the vertical. Just keep, bas- just keep blasting. Nothing's going to get near you at that point. So that's kind of handy. That's quite nice. Uh, there's one other power-up, and this uh, enables both players to merge together for a full-on six-way blastathon. Um, if you're only playing one player, the other player kind of comes on from off-screen, and you kind of form this super because you, the, the the what you play is you're kind of a flying 
mech. I think you're a mecha, aren't you? You're in a mecha mecha yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not in a spaceship this time. It's you. It's a person, but you're in a mech suit. So when the other one comes on, they kind of merge together into this super mecha, and then it blasts in all six, you know, six directions. So either way, and then in the, the uh, diagonals as well. And you can go fly around, and then if you get hit, then you, you split a pack apart and you become who you were. But that's kind of cool because you can then you know rain down hell on everything that's coming from it either direction, so that's quite nice. And that's good to see that that's in the C64 version and things like that. So th- th- there are things missing, though. The balls to protect you are gone, so uh, they're just not there. Whether they they couldn't do them, they couldn't fit them in, whatever it is, they're not there, so they ain't there. The vertical scrolling sections are also gone. The continuous scrolling is also gone, uh, replaced with quite an onerous multi-load system, so each level loads in separately, which is a pain in the ass. But And I found most infuriating, the bosses are gone. Mm. So they're just replaced by a ball that continuously spawns enemies. So these, the big bosses that you get in the arcade, they're just gone. They're just not there. So the end of the level is a real damp squid letdown. It just stops. You shoot a ball, and then the next one just loads in. So it all, though that bit really feels like where these corners have been cut the most in this conversion. During the main game, as you're scrolling along and those spinny sort of U-shaped enemies are come flying in, they're like sort of, tu- not tuning foot, but kind of those kind of things. Those animations are really quite nice. The spinning is quite nice. Everything looks the part. This looks like, like I said, it looks like sidearms through a C64 lens. It moves quite nice. The scrolling is pretty smooth. The power-ups are all there. But it's in those extra little bits, those bits that make it sidearms, the bosses, the continuous scrolling that those are missing. And I guess corners had to be cut somewhere, but that's a shame. I didn't hate this. There's some issues with the controls, as I've said. I would have liked to see the bosses in, but I think there's enough sidearms DNA here that enabled me to enjoy my time with this conversion. It's not brilliant. The tune is weak. The graphics range from rough to pretty good in places. But the two, but the two player spirit is there. And even though I think the control method could have been better, I did enjoy playing this. I think the multi-load is a bit much, but I can understand why they did it. The levels are very varied. They're not the same from level to level. So it's a completely different sprite bank and background bank so i imagine there's just not enough memory in the c64 to hold that variety of visuals so i kind of understand why they went for that um and they sort of went you know what if we're going to get all eight levels in and they have got all eight levels in the only way we're really going to do this is a multi-load so i I can understand it you know because i just don't think they would have fit it all in the c64's memory certainly better than some of the other arcade conversions we've had to endure not as good as some so but in the mid to in the in the mid to good range for me, I quite enjoyed my time with this. It's not a terrible version, and I think the cutbacks and the changes are, are what they had to do to get it into the C64 and what they had at their disposal. I would have liked to just seen maybe a different control method, but apart from that, this was all right. I was shooting all right away on this and getting quite far into it for quite a while. What about you? I think you're being very kind, overly I kind. I think I am. I think I am, but you know, maybe it's what I mean, it you, is. You, you were very critical of Outrun for not being Outrun because it didn't have key components in it. And this, for me, felt exactly the same. Ah, but the key component of Outrun is the choice. There's no, you don't have to have choices yeah, in Yeah, but this. the same thing here, you can't have the, if you take the bosses out of this game, you haven't got sidearms. The bosses are, yeah, and that's what I said. The bosses are the biggest letdown. This is, well, not the biggest, let, they're one of the letdowns. Yeah. The control system substitution makes the game borderline unplayable, really. And um, because. If if you're used to, I mean, it would have been it would have been a much better choice to just keep it shooting one direction, really, and just yeah, have it like I, I think so as well. I do shooter. think so, yeah. And so they, they it, I guess they tried to do things, and I suppose that's you know, okay, they tried. You know, we can't kick people with you know for trying things. They tried to cram a lot in. It's another arcade that's actually deceptively huge in scope and scale and it doesn't look yeah. like look it when you play it but i've got a lot of time for sidearms as an arcade because it's, it's such a a great blaster when you when the two um players merge into one you feel like you've got a really good power-up scheme some of the weapons that you power up you upgrade to in the arcade really seem really powerful and you blast things and you just and it's got a nice 
the upgrades were one of the things that I really like about sidearms is that you really feel like you've upgraded. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's really nice, you know, and, that, and that's a good sign. Unfortunately, with some of those things missing, it's just, it's like cutting its leg off a little bit. The sound is a disgrace in this, really, and it's such an afterthought. But again, it could be a victim of trying to cram so much in, I don't know. Um mm. I just thought this was all of the things I like about the arcade had kind of just been squashed a bit here, including the actual sprites and the graphics. And I get that it's a C64, one megahertz processor, you've only got a little of memory. And so I think that, what, as you said, maybe they've tried to cram, cram as much as they can in and they did what they could. Okay, fine. But I just don't think it sort of works. And I think the main problem I had with it is that awful control system because i found myself just being facing the wrong way more often than not yeah which is really frustrating as a player to die in a game because you were facing the wrong way because you don't have a choice about it Mm -hmm. is so fundamentally wrong in a shooter that it makes it it's such a bad decision to make i mean there's a million ways they could have done that space barter if you were really gonna if you were desperate to have something in there or like you say maybe there's a way to figure it out maybe they tried all of those and just thought Sonic we're just gonna do this I don't know the upgrades in it they do sort of work there's just not enough of them so you never feel like you've upgraded enough but then you've got no enemies really that you need to big upgrades for which defeats the purpose of the game to get through this game this endlessly scrolling thing to get yourself and your ship ramped up to take on these really big bosses if you take away the bosses and you take away their weapons it's just flat and that's it exactly is, yeah. what you're left with a very flat, lifeless, flaccid version of sidearms, and and that's a shame. That for me, it was a shame. And like you say, with with, with now without run, okay, there there was some key choices that they took away from that. You know, you couldn't. You know, part of that is the choice of the track. And for me, this was the same. They made wrong decisions about the game design and development, and in the end, they ended up with a game that isn't really sidearms because there's nothing really sidearmsy about it, other than it's kind of got the name and it sort of hints at the sort of same idea. But this is no more. Uh, version of sidearms than outrun was a version of outrun there's just too much missing for me and not enough of the key bits that made sidearms great it's a shame i mean it got a reasonable score for this i think in zap they gave it 61 percent, which is about what you'd expect something like this to get yeah just the, tra- the tragedy is that i think i think it's renegade that comes later on the c64 does this kind of thing so much better so um we'll obviously we'll obviously look forward to that when it comes along because it's a thalamus game but this mm. it's just i think it's just it's a great tragedy that it just it, it, a great a great arcade game that it could have been falls into the category of a not very good side scrolling shooter on the C sixty four. And that's I think if you, I do, I'm just comparing it against things like that. What was that awful one like Mag Mag Max and Galvan and things like that, which I think yeah. this is and breakthrough, which I think this is better than. But, yeah. but as, as I said, I think I think it's in the middle to just above middle tier. Um, you know, for for me, because because I did I I I've, and I think what happened was I found myself optimizing my play to get around the problems and i know that that's not a and and that's uh, that's damning with faint praise so i stayed near the left let the power-ups come to me and just kept shooting from that direction yeah, and that i shouldn't fun? have to do that and i agree i shouldn't but you know i, I did fun though I, I i to be fair yeah i did have i did have some fun with this it wasn't terrible and i, and well, I did if you, uh, but if you're you know, you've just adapted to the limitations you've got yes. and then the, the limitations then that's it yeah, after yeah. that what you're just nothing i mean that's just a shame just a shame I'd rather I play Delta. stay near the left anyway and shoot them up. So if I can, like Nemesis and things like that. I'd rather so. play Drop Zone. Drop Zone's a better sort of shooter of this type. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm not. I'm not, not going to argue with that. Pity, yeah. Pity. It's um, just. It's just sidearms on the C64 for me will always be the game. It, 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 the game it never was. It, it, it's, it's such great material there, and the Nemesis managed to convey a decent shooter. Wouldn't mm. have been too hard to think of that. I just think what a what a what a waste. What a mistake. It's, it's so sad. 
Mm. I think according to the, the book as well, um, I didn't look at them, but this is the pick of the 8-bit conversions as well. The Amstrad yeah, and the Spectrum version is supposed to be, be even worse. Seems to be the way of it. I mean, at least the C64 has smooth scrolling. Yeah, that's what, such yeah. as it is, and it has those. It does have the parts that are, that are there that work do work. It's just not sidearms as as you would come to expect it. And the same disappointment hit me that I hit hit me with Outrun and so many other arcade conversions. That you know, you start to realise that the C sixty four is is cracking at the cracking at the edges now, and some of these games are just not really going to be able to be done. It's what you can expect. It's it's as, it's as best as you could have hoped for. I think well, when you're, you when you're that, honest with yourself, maybe. And then you play you'll play Renegade, and you'll play some of the shooters that come out only a year and a half or a year and a half later, and you and the difference is mind blowing. Mm, true, so, and that's but, that's a multi, that, multi-loader on disc, but slightly better graphics, same sort of delineation. So. But is that a case of? He's Renegade. Is it a case of that they're not hampered by what they've got to replicate? So they've got free... I don't know. Well, it's hard to say, isn't it? Deriv- I'm not sure it's called Renegade. You'd have to check it. I can't it's a Thalamus game that's similar. I can't believe it's called now. It's not, it's not Hawkeye, it's is it? Retro- it's Retrograde, actually. Retrograde. Some, okay, yeah. Like yeah. That, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's got Martin Walker music, I think, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Retrograde, yeah. So, um, and I seem to remember that being similar. Now I've said that, it probably is nothing like it. <laughs> Was there a C64 <laughs> version of um, Forgotten Worlds? Uh, I wouldn't know if there is we'll come across it won't we we'll, yeah we'll, I know there was an Amiga yeah. version what, though, because I seem to remember us playing it uh, there was an Amiga version I think I think. I'm sure we played Forgotten Worlds together I remember us playing I remember, it in your I app. remember Retrograde being really good yeah I do yeah, as well yeah, looking at Retrograde there's it's not sidearms but there's definite there's a definite hint of it looking at just looking at some of the screens on um, on Abandonware now okay there's, there's definitely so anyway it's a different game we'll come to that it is a different game okay, anyway sidearms hyperdyne it's uh, you know I think 61% is about right that's where I would put it yeah yeah I'd agree I think it's just for me it's just I'm not going to grade it badly because it's just I just think I think I just didn't like it. Sadly. No, that's didn't fair like enough. Version. Like I think that's it. absolutely fair enough. And um, you know, I, I I think I just like I said, I probably I think I overcompensated for for what it was. Maybe uh, I don't. I don't know that. If you you if you enjoy what you enjoy, um, I just played a lot of the arcade. It's probably too much of the arcade. This has always been a go to arcade for me. Always. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm, if I'm anywhere where it. there's a side up position, I'll go on it and I'll be on it for ages. Yeah, because it's a great Cause, game. Because you do, and so when a you know, a replay it's this. satisfying. Like, Just a yeah. satisfying arcade blaster. I was trying to think if I had sidearms on the C64. I don't think I ever did. So this was kind of a you know, shocking revelation. <laughs> shocking. Right, there we go. To be fair, though, it's better than Zip. And it was better than Demon Stalker. Oh, I'm not kidding. Zip was crap. <laughs> there we go. Hey. Right. There we go. That's our first half. We've had ups and downs. Well, mostly downs. We've had some slow vectors and whatever. We've gauntleted. We've played some. We've zipped something up. And then we've been disappointed with an arcade conversion. Um, we're going to go away now, take a quick break. And we're going to come back and we're going to look at what was going on in the singles chart for March 1988. So um, stick around. We'll see you in a bit. Fresh hummus and delicious dips for our show sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you will find a gargantuan collection of brilliant audiobooks, bargain books, ebooks, and more. David once threw a dinner fork through a wall because his jacket potato was too hot. He doesn't mess around. He's also a brilliant writer. Check out this sound snip from his fantastic audiobook, Escape from the Commodore 64, which is available now. Run, Reese called. Just grab the lanterns. Don't worry about him. Lanterns tumbled from her arms. Lanterns she desperately needed if she was going to make it through this level. Ten became seven, and as she ducked and darted around the dimly lit passages, she grabbed one... 
two, three more. As she reached for the last one, a shadow fell over her. It was the goblin, tall and green and sporting a pair of boxing gloves. It was bigger than the ninja. And as its wonky smile turned into a teeth-bearing grimace, its aim was exactly the same as the ninja's. If that hasn't got your purchasing finger poised over the buy now button, I don't know what will. For more, please visit davidhearnwriter.com. That's david, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com. Off you go. And we're back. Let's get into some singles. March 1988. Bumper crop, maybe. Bumper. Bumper crop, Graham. Yeah, it's one word for it. One word for it. I won't say <laughs> First two weeks. Well, we should be so lucky. Mm, I should yeah. be so lucky. Someone should be so lucky. First two weeks. Callum Minogue is still there, bumping and grinding away. Uh, being be lucky. So lucky. Being all, you know, cute and Yeah, the only people who got everything. bloody lucky was Stuck Aiken and Waterman because they were quids in. We've said it before and we're not going to say it again. No, Are we not? No, because we've said it before. We know exactly how he, you know, we said he, he, he just he started ejaculating cash from the second he saw <laughs> Kylie Minogue. And that won't have changed until she stops producing hit records. He won't stop producing, pumping the coin-based proteins, will he? Pumping pounds, spunking spondoolies. Exactly, yeah. He just, you know, she was just a cash machine for him. And admittedly, them, she's a talented, for, for, for them, yeah. She's a talented lady. Um, without a doubt, you know, she made some amazing stuff in her time. I don't, not taking anything away from Kylie Minogue because she's, she's, you know, an outright little pop star and yeah, nothing wrong with that. But no, it's just a pity that she was um, making money for, for the stock acre of Waterman. I suppose yeah. it's inevitable, really. I liked their early sort of, the ramp up for them was good. And then when they launched off the ramp, it wasn't so good. It was, you know, not <laughs> it good. wasn't evil can evil. It was just evil. It, it was, yeah. It's just, it just, it's the same thing over and over again. They hit formula, didn't they? And yeah, very much. There you go. There you go. Uh, for the last two weeks of the month, we had, uh, this could be about side arms, wasn't it? Don't turn around. Yeah. Um, Don't by turn Aswad. around. Yeah. Good. It's Back actually good. See song, a heartbreak yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, good. It's a good. Honestly, it's, it's so non-offensive, and reggae's not really classed as. I won't class it as my cup of tea at all. That's not because it's, it's bad. It's, in fact, it's very good. It's just, I, I'll have it on. If it's on, I'll never turn it off, though. If, some, if I'm at a party or something, or I've Don't been around like a summer. Off. Yeah, do, just, do, if do, it's on, do, 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 I find it's really listenable. It's really good. It's really good music for that kind of thing. It's so. got a good middle eight, this song. I like the middle eight into the... Don't stay with around. Do, 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 do. It's good. good. And they were a, a really well-established reggae act as well, Aswad. Yeah, think they the were. People they in were. it are amazing musicians and stuff. So yeah, yep, I did good. note that the. I mean, because I was thinking about it, and and we, uh, the UK did seem to have a penchant for pop reggae tunes for some reason. UB40 made a career out of it. Multiple R and B and things like that, which we didn't really seem to be. But reggae was a uh, quite popular over over here in the eighties. Well, so. yeah, of course we had um, Mr. Marley, didn't we? He was periodically in and out of the charts all the way through. Yeah, so it's it's a strange we would go with that i suppose it's because there was a big reggae component in you know um in clubs and stuff around yeah around absolutely UK, yeah. There, so. yeah i mean yeah. i wasn't part i was too young at this point to be in clubs of course um, no, same. my understanding same. having watched documentaries since then is that the uk was full of reggae clubs they were everywhere you could just yeah. step over them according to documentaries i've seen but you know that may they may be uh, over representing it but i'm not sure it's just a tad but yeah apparently very <laughs> very underground movement wasn't it that sort of yeah. came from the underground and yeah so you know things like the specials and stuff like that yeah totally but it never became which i suppose that's more scar but scar reggae a bit it never became mainstream mainstream in the sense that you know but at the same time it it always remained as it was i don't know how to describe it but 
Eddie Grant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think we're probably offending everyone that's into reggae music probably. really badly here by not knowing anything about it. I imagine <laughs> there's a whole raft of amazing reggae stuff out there, but my experience of it in the UK is very much based on what I heard in the chart, I'm sad to say. It is. I know. And, and in Grimsby, where you know I was brought up, there were no reggae cafes or bars, or as far as I'm aware, yeah. and certainly I was not massively exposed to reggae music in any way, shape or form. Apart no. from what was on the TV. So good old BBC and Top of the Pops really helped me understand some wider cultural music. That's yeah. It. Good hat wearing in this video as well. Very good hat wearing. Very good. Uh, right. That's your, that, they were, that's your number ones. Uh, 6th of March. What do we have going on? Number 30. Straight to number 30 is Where Do Broken Hearts Go by Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. Indeed. Uh, probably not a song about myocardial <laughs> infarction. <laughs> Oh, probably not um no probably not classic ballad though um i didn't know mm. it would be better if it didn't sound quite so much like whitney houston i know she's cursed that sort cursed of just let it down that. a bit um it does have a good key change though in this yes, yes. Um, she's, she's really got like. the power she, she can sing all the key changes she wants very powerful singer whitney <laughs> she, houston. she can she can she can key change mid key change she's that well, good you know, i mean she sadly passed away but when they did the autopsy when they actually opened her up um, she had a lung that stretched all the way from a chin to a toe. <laughs> so like I wonder two, where that was going. Uh, her, her entire body was two lengthy lungs, which is why she could hit all those notes. <laughs> that is In fact, true. Lengthy lungs was originally a stage name, but uh, they changed it to Whitney Houston because it suits it suits her better, and it, it does. does. It's true. It does. But initially, uh, according to Wikipedia, Houston did not want to record the song, feeling that there was no special message to convey. In a 2000 interview in 2000, Houston reminisced that she hated this song. However, Arista Records CEO Clive Davis believed the song would go to number one if she recorded it, so she agreed. It indeed became a number one, Houston's seventh consecutive number one single in the US. A record for consecutive number one singles that still stands to this day. Good old Whitney Houston. At some yeah. point, somebody must have said, Whitney Houston, there is a problem. <laughs> there was, someone must have cracked that bad joke. I didn't even do it properly. Somebody else <laughs> probably did it better. But if you do not insert the tumbleweed and uh, the bell sound at that point, I'm going to be deeply disappointed. <laughs> Whitney Houston, <laughs> yes, I might. We I might. Pro- Whitney Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> You sound too much like yourself. The critics have spoken. Yes, the critics did speak, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. damning her uh, with that. In at number 43, a song I've never heard of, Dreaming by Glenn Goldsmith. No, no. Um, Daydreaming. The video is, it's, it's, it's British. It's, well, I don't know. It's it, it's not very good R&B, this. Too much staring out of a radio nope. window whilst a woman got really angry with him. It's sub yep. Terence Trent Darby Dullsville, as far as I can make out. <laughs> Terence Trent Darby Dullsville sounds like some <laughs> to the Manor Born book or something. <laughs> Darby Dullsville, it's the dance, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I say, Mister Mister Darby Dullsville is attending the <laughs> attending the soiree this evening. I'll be sure to wear my best frock. <laughs> oh, oh Mister Darby, you are spoiling Terence Trent Darby and his brother Mark Darcy, who's uh, featured in the uh, the um, Bridget Jones movies, of course, as he later became. He is, yeah, Colin Frith. Yeah, Colin Frith. Yeah, old fizzy Frith. Fizzy, Fr- <laughs> that's his brother. <laughs> That's his other brother, <laughs> Colin and Fizzy, <laughs> and the, the 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 final triplet. Uh, I don't know what it would be. Dizzy, <laughs> Dizzy Frith. Yeah, <laughs> Colin, Fizzy, and Dizzy. <laughs> I bet he's a drummer or he's a musician with a name like Dizzy Frith. Dizzy Frith. Yeah, he's a clarinet player. Plays jazz. 
in the band called the, in the Toodles, a band called the Toodles. <laughs> Toodles and the Pip. <laughs> He's the Pip. <laughs> He's Colin. Yeah. <laughs> when he turns up. Good old Toodles and the Pip. Yeah. When he's not like in that. fight with Huge Grant. Um, Huge Grant, yeah. Uh, in at number 51 was just a Mirage featuring Adele Bertie, which is by oh, Jellybean yeah. featuring Adele Bertie. Adele Bertie, um, yeah. Did you listen to this? I did, yeah, on the ongoing quest for the replacement, as I've come to call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, trying to find, <laughs> desperately, desperately trying to find another, desperately seeking another Madonna. It's another film she was trying, he was trying to make. <laughs> it's a, it's just, it's got, obviously, it's, a, you know, like you've made a note, it's got the house style piano, staccato, <laughs> ding, 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 piano. Yeah. And I put, they, uh, he invented that sound. Did he? He invented the house piano, yes, and the shed trombone. <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> and the garage violin. In fact, he just generally went around different, you know, different kinds of buildings and with musical instruments and made house instruments. The outhouse oboe. Yes, yes. Um, and of course, his name is uh, Jelly Bean, um, and he can spit in fifty different flavors. <laughs> That's another crap joke. All of them. <laughs> Jelly Bean can spit in fifty flavors. What am I thinking of writing that? I don't know. I don't anyway. know. Jelly Bean uh, Benitez, isn't it? Yes. It yeah, is, famous yeah. producer. Good egg. Good egg. Uh, number 53, The Devil Inside by In Excess. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was quite further enhancing their ability to write sexy rock music. Yeah. Yeah. Good riff in this and good vocals. Very good vocals from Hutchins. So you said that for every single In Excess track. Good riff that. Good riff in that. In all fairness, it probably is. They all are. They, they, this, they were at the peak of their you know, sexy rock powers at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've never got into it. I don't. I, I know the ones I know, but not that one. I listen to it again. Sounds like in excess, which I suppose is you, what you say about Whitney Houston. Well, she sounds like Whitney Houston. She doesn't <laughs> yeah. sound anything like in excess. No, it doesn't. Number no. sixty-eight is Faith by the Wee Papa Girl Rappers. Yeah, um, not normally my cup mm. of tea, but I quite like this. It's a catchy rap tune. Yeah, it was all right. The Wee Papa Girl Rappers were okay. We rule and all yeah. that. It was good. It, it reminded me, and and I, I put this. I may be way off base here, <laughs> but this reminded me of sort of st- a sort of style of De La Soul, sort of that kind of yes, catchy, yeah, catchy rap very, style. We'll come across another one later, which is similarly as well. There's a style developing. We're, start, we're starting to see it, and, and okay. the more we as we go through them, as we go through and head more into the sort of late very late 80s into the 90s you're going to see more and more and more of it you'll, but this is the beginning of it you'll start to see and de la soul and we papa girl rappers and there's a few of us few of them that you'll start to see as we go through okay um, i don't know i don't know what the style of that is we need a, somebody that listens to it regularly like podcast friend gary he's always been into the we papa girl rappers in fact he was one of the we papas <laughs> he was just we <laughs> <laughs> He's the wee paper girl rappers. He was <laughs> the wee paper girl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, he, he would probably know all about that stuff, and have, he'd be able to tell you the exact genre because um, that's the kind of thing you can do. It's one of his he special wee, powers. He was a wee paper rapper. He just used to wrap up very small parcels. <laughs> <laughs> it's his special power. You know, he can wrap very small things very neatly, very neatly folded corners. He, he does can. corners. The, he, can. he gets the paper so tight you can't rip it. Well, this is from years of making cheese sandwiches. Um, that guy can fold bread like no one else. He can. He's a, he is a bread folder. And he can also crack <laughs> crack knuckles at the speed of sound. <laughs> but yes, yeah, he would be, identi- be able to tell us the genre that we're kind of grasping at straws to identify as it develops. But um, Indeed. We'll, we'll, no, he'll, he'll, no doubt at some point in the next 10 to 15 years, listen to, he'll get to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> he'll get here. And uh, he'll get here and he'll listen to that. Go out. And by that time, we won't even know what he's talking about. Absolutely. Number 78, <laughs> I didn't listen to this. I wish I had them. Burning Like a Flame by Dokken. Oh, my Lord. He plays Paul with his guitar. 
than that <laughs> an actual pull. Um, and then he's one point where he's he's running down with the uh, um, the neck of the guitar, obviously. Oh my god! There. And then he uses the um, the what's the bit at the top where you tune it? The little tuning end. Um, I can't remember. for some the reason body? the name escapes me. No, the other end, not the bit you play. The bit you have the little tuning keys on. What's it called? That bit. The I head? don't know that bit. Yeah, I guess it is. That anyway, he's using that. It's the body, the neck, and the head, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's. But it, either way, it's, what it isn't is a pull cue. No, it's, it's not. Crazy, not. crazy man that he is. <laughs> and there's a lot of again big hair. There's a part where he's running down a corridor with a burning flame. It's all a bit. I don't know. It's docking. Yeah. Well, it's just. The thing is that it's called burning like a flame, so he had to be running down a corridor with a flame burning. It's like just you don't have to do that. No, you, know, you, you can just you know take it back a step, Docker. Take it back a step. Be a little bit more allegorical. Yeah, they, don't, they don't think in anything other than obvious. They can't. No, no, it's, no. that's what it is. Thirteenth uh, of March. In at number seventeen was "Drop the Boy" by Bross. Is that an order? Seems a bit harsh. <laughs> Never a fan of Bross. This is the sequel, sequel follow up to uh, "When Will I Be Famous," which we know, which we know the answer to. 15 years. Yes, exactly. Drop the boy. Number 22 could have been by Tiffany. Uh, I listened to this. It sounds like a Disney song. Yeah, it would do. It's Tiffany. Was she ex-Disney? Was she something to do with Disney? I don't think she's she anything was. to do with Disney. No, this just sounds like a just, just, she, just sounds she like a Disney She's probably manufactured by Disney. She probably was invented by Disney. I don't <laughs> Maybe. Know. Uh, third single from the album, the debut album. But, uh, not an album I've ever listened to ever, so... Uh, number 29 Bass How Low Can You Go by how Simon Harris How Low Can Harris. You Go Bass How Low Can You Go Cause it's a really good track like this. Simon Harris is very very cool yep. so definitely go yeah. and listen to that number 30 Cross My Broken Heart by Sunita oh, another damaged major organ of organ failures in this lineup <laughs> yeah, this time. This did you watch uh, the video for this I did not I think Do I have so. seen it in the past but, you do know. so the opening sequence has got that many crash zooms into Sunita's face it's alarming that and the, she's so wiggly. She's so wiggly, and there's so much spinning in that. And that's all before. That's in the first few seconds of the video, Ugh. and then she starts to sing. Now, let me tell you something about Miss Sunita. Okay, I think she's a very pretty lady, without a doubt. Singing, not so much. Now she becomes a vocal coach, I think, at some point. So I don't quite know what's gone on, but the audio that I listened to, the singing, it, it was terrible. It sounded horrible. It's just so bad. And also the chorus, and it sounds like a William Rob, well, Robbie Williams released a song. I don't know what the song is. The one that goes, "Hey." Oh, where we go? What's that song called? Robbie Williams. Whatever that no one idea. is. No. Anyway, the, the chorus in the Sunita song sounds, or the middle eight or chorus sounds exactly like it. So I wonder if it isn't there isn't some borrowing there. Quite possibly. Who knows? So go and listen to that and see if you can identify my version of a Rob Williams song because I have no idea what that's even called. <laughs> it's not a lot to go on, and you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> Oh, I can't, I can't think what it's called. Hey, oh, where we go? I don't know. No idea. Number 32, Days of No Trust by Magnum. Hey, yeah, he looks pained in that picture, doesn't he? Goodness. <laughs> I know he did. Yeah, I put a picture there. It's a screen graph. It tells you all you need to know. There's so much hair and wind in this video. So much. <laughs> it's crazy. And also as well, I did note while I was watching the video, he looks like he's trying to convey the lyrics in sign language. <laughs> so it's good good to see deaf rock fans being catered for. Yes, um, it's always good to play the niche. Play the niche card if you want to play a niche card. It's so bad. He also does, I know you said this not Gary, it does look like Gary if he had long hair and a penchant for leather. It looks nothing like Gary. <laughs> you watch the video though and it's, it's, it's literally nothing like him. <laughs> it's not in that picture. No, in that picture is Gary no. like at a certain point in his pleasure dome. <laughs> I don't know. From um, popular rock band, popular by some people, to um, very popular ice cream. Seems like a niche career move for them. Well, you know, when you see a gap in the market, you've got to go for it. Um, and they did, made that ice cream did. from birth. I did. They they manufacture. Well, he lays them. He actually lays <laughs> magnums. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so he's, yeah. he's never been able to stop doing it since he ate one. And just <laughs> he just thunks them out, but thunks they don't come out magnets. always with a crispy shell. Yeah, they don't Absolutely. come always with a crispy shell. Sometimes they're soft like a like a baby crab. Be careful when you eat the almond ones. <laughs> don't ever eat them. <laughs> but that's the face he pulls when he's crapping out an almond one. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out sideways with the stick attached. <laughs> You don't want to know how you don't you don't want to know how he pumps the sticks in normally. <laughs> it's, a two sta- it's a two-stage manufacturing process that. <laughs> stick go in, magnum come out. <laughs> he has to swallow the stick first. Oh, it hurts so much. <laughs> Just keep going. We've got a, we've got another batch due. Absolutely. <laughs> Unilever won't let us stop. <laughs> now thunk them out. Come on. Okay. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Number thirty-six. Temptation by wet, wet, wet. Doom on them. <laughs> You're not tempted? No. I don't no. remember this one, thankfully. I don't. And I don't want either. to. No. I only remember one song called Temptation, and that's by Temptation. Not them, but yeah, it's that's, ABC. That's Heaven or 17. Heaven 17, 17 is yeah. one of them, yeah. It, I don't think it's that, is it? It's not a version of that, is it? By Wet, Wet, Wet. I hope not. I didn't listen. I wasn't going to. I didn't want to sully my YouTube careful, playlist. Because old, old knee neck will come after you and start trying to <laughs> smash just, you in with his knee neck. <laughs> when he stopped, like, imbibing a tube of Pringles in one go. <laughs> Or, or what's it? <laughs> if, if you want to draw a perfect representation of a Ma- Matty pillow, pillow, I mean, it's going to sound a bit weird, this, but get somebody to get a Sharpie pen, a good quality Sharpie pen, and just draw a face on your knee. Um, because <laughs> then as you move your knee and move your leg, you, the, you know, the lower part of your leg, you'll actually form a... Uh, a Matty Pello type of type face because he's a he's a he's a knee neck. Knee neck. That's what that's what it looks like. Yeah, you can do you can do a pillow on the knee, which is like <laughs> it's like a tickle on the tongue. Similar <laughs> pillow on the knee. <laughs> pillow on the what? <laughs> Look down this pillow town, and there's the river. I don't want to think about it. No one tickles this river. No uh, temptation. <laughs> no. Number eight two. Sweet lies by Robert Palmer. No. Nah. Not, Sleazy pop and video, thing. but it's sub Brian Ferry. It is really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but people it was I'd, he lived in a real weird place in the British sort of chart. Robert Palmer he kind of floated in and out. It was always half popular, um, but yeah, some people yeah, really liked it. Did. I didn't know a lot of people that did. Um, no, number ninety-eight. Stop loving you by Toto. Tutu. Oh, Toto. Tutu. <laughs> Such a good track by Tutu. This. Yeah, it's a good tune. It's all right. It's not my favourite. It's, it's, it's my it's it's at my absolute favourite Toto song ever. I think it's Ace, but it's one of those. You know, some people have a song they really like. Um, there's a really good C64 version of this as well. It was used in loads of demos around this time as well, which I probably stick a link to in the Sid. But it's really, really good. Um, oh, okay. And that was, I think, where I first heard it. Strangely enough, I heard it on a, I think it's a Science Four Five One demo. And I'm thinking that's a really catchy tune. And then we, we ripped it from that, and we put it in one of our S Express music rips. So it's in there somewhere as well. We've even used it in, I think it's in Lightning. I think the demo Lightning that S Express did oh, with, that the big, one. with the big raster splits and the big scrolly and that. And Lightning, yeah, yeah. I think, Stop Living You is in that. It's uh, really good. And of course, it features the amazing drumming of Jeff Bucaro. So go yeah, I did watch out. that video you linked to, and I, as I, 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 it just looked like he was doing some drumming. It's such, I mean, it's it's just these descriptions. He goes from right. So it's this sort of starts simple. It's like on a hike. So I did a double, triple, did a lab with a dude ID. <laughs> and then I just introduced this little bit of complexity. <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you doing? And how are you doing that and talking about it? <laughs> and then I added the uh, bebop, bebop bass drum. Do, do, yeah. Do, just, do. You know, it talks about how do, we merge do, these do. two things together. Yeah. And you're like, what? It's just incredible. Yeah. Anyway, we'll put that video in the show notes because it's worth watching. And although your brain will snap halfway through and you go, uh. <laughs> um, and you, it's just because it's like that's 
so good. It's like we've watched. It's like different to watching Buddy Rich then, because Buddy Rich videos generally, if you're watching them, they tend to you look at it going, how is any, somebody drumming that fast and that accurately? And then you watch a Rush drummer and Neil Peart and he's a similar. Yeah. Pocaro is very different to that. Do you know who I found out was a really good drummer the other day? And I didn't see it. I watched a video. Karen Carpenter. Yes, yes, she was. Yeah, famously. I saw some video and I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she's wow. really good. Very good. Really good. And ironically, in the end, she became thinner than the drumstick she held. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Moving Very on from that one. <laughs> <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> she, she ended up looking like a drumstick. I would go, but I think it might be in bad taste. <laughs> 20th of March, number four, Can I Play With Madness by Iron Maiden. Clumsy fools, pull of a tuck, throw yourself in next time, lumpy, clumsy fools. I don't know why, I just, this is such a lumpy, clumsy song for me. I mean, it's great. It's, it's not my favourite Maiden song because that, that hands down lives with um, Run for the Hill, Run to the Hills, but... Um, I like Phantom of the Opera, but there you go. But this one, it's just, it's good. It's a good Maiden track, but like you say, it's, cl- it's classic Maiden, which, by the way, made me laugh when you wrote that. Because <laughs> it's just like, that's got to be the name of their bloody, of one of their has. endless bloody <laughs> compilation albums, yeah, classic smooth, Maiden. It's the smooth rhythm change at 2 minutes 30, though, which is... Well, you can't not notice it, can you? Because it's, <laughs> it's like as smooth as a It's like someone, someone, someone threw a symbol at bloody, what's his name? Nicky, Nico, whatever his <laughs> name Nico is. Nico McBrain. <laughs> yeah, threw it straight into his face. It was like, oh, yeah, Ooh, just instantly changed it. <laughs> it's like... They put the bass... What's his name, the bassist in Maiden? Steve Harris, isn't it? Steve Harris. He's always really high in their mixes. It's because he mixes them. Well, that's why, yeah. He's like, I think they just put the bass needs to be a little bit louder, I think you found, uh, Bruce. Okay. <laughs> can't hear the lyrics. Ah, stop screaming. God, it's dark. Turn it down. Good, you big baby. You can't hear anything but bass. They're just hairy and lumpy fists of ham <laughs> meat, the meat people. <laughs> the video is crap as well. Isn't just it? lumps of denim dressed ham playing <laughs> with big ham fists but it kind of works you know i'm not to criticizing me i like maiden a lot but that's what they are big blocks of meat ham <laughs> uh, true yeah i suppose when they're contemporaries of things like saxon like, yeah mm. oh yeah they're all after the same oeuvre aren't they yeah. Yeah, the oeuvre. number 18 stay on these roads by aha stay on the roads lads I know it's the first. This was the first single from their third album, which was, I think, called the same thing. Stay on these roads. It also featured that album featured the Living Daylight. Uh, as well. Also, this might not have been the first album. Have we already covered that one? I don't think we had. It's a bit whimsical for my taste. It's all right. It's a bit. Uh, it's a bit nah. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Thing. It's not a classic. Video is odd as well. They've got they wear black leather and bright blue jeans, which is never a good look. <laughs> black leather and bl- bright blue jeans sounds like an album. Like by Iron Maiden, actually. <laughs> no, it'd be by What's the Face, who did uh, Black Velvet. Alana Miles. Alana yeah. Miles. <laughs> Black leather and bright blue, bright blue jeans. jeans. Black leather, if you please. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she did the one song she's famous for. Indeed. I should listen uh, to more Aha, but I really can't be bothered. No one's forcing you to. I know. That, that's not what it would take. And number 37, I Ain't Complaining by Status Quo. Nobody was, but Radio 1 and Radio 2, are you, listeners were, didn't they? Got them took off in the end. They did, good. Um, they said they had no musical merit and refused to play their records. <laughs> That's quite damning. <laughs> it's, it's overly harsh and stupid because Status Quo are no different to any other rock and roll band out there. Yes, they're derivative and they sound the same, but so what? I thought they got moved to Radio 2. They got moved off Radio 1, didn't they? I thought they got moved to 2. And oh, no, then I think two. I think two turned on them as well. I think in the end. Oh, well, okay. Uh, number forty-eight. Do this my way by Kid and Play. That's the other one. Kid and Play. Yeah, they they was also when I was trying to describe a haircut. Didn't they have the big? Was it them that had the big 
Big haircut, big flat top. Big straight up and flat top, yes. Yeah, that's yes, the, was, that, yeah. this was the band I was trying to remember a week yes, or so back when yes, we were talking play, about yeah. haircuts. Uh, number yeah. 53, Push It, uh, Tramp. That's yeah, not, classic. Not Push It, <laughs> not push it Tramp, <laughs> but Push It <laughs> slash Tramp. Um, yeah. That sounds just bad. By Salt and Pepper. Push It real good. Yeah, very important track that in terms of the artists, of course. Very good. Interesting as well to see... Salt and Pepper and We Papa Girl Rappers in the same month. Yes, exactly. And of course, the the DJ who did all the sort of classic scratching and stuff in the background was DJ Spinderella, I believe, for Salt and Pepper. Missed a trick, didn't they? Vinegar. Should have been vinegar, shouldn't it? Salt, pepper and vinegar. No. Mayo. mayo. That would have been the uh, Cleethorpe Seaside <laughs> tribute act, wouldn't it? <laughs> what? <laughs> salt, salt and vinegar. vinegar. Yeah, salt, salt and vinegar chips. <laughs> <laughs> are you a salt and pepper trivia well part of us is I'm, I do salt and <laughs> cheese vinegar ooh <laughs> she's got a mouth like she's had too much vinegar ooh ooh it's a bit it's a bit bitter it's a bit tart <laughs> a bit tart that. she's a tart she is <laughs> absolutely put some lemon on it um, <laughs> number 61 she's like the wind featuring Wendy Fraser which is by Patrick mm. Swayze featuring Wendy Fraser. It's quite a good, it's quite a good track, actually. That it's exactly it. what you think it will be. What yeah. you think this track is going to be is exactly <laughs> what you think. It's Middle yeah. America, M.O.R., through and through. Yeah. <laughs> exactly was, what you expect. Just a very talented guy, Patrick Swayze. I watched a really interesting documentary about him, and and, and it was such a nice, kind guy. So, yeah. um, oh, it's totally inoffensive. You wasn't in that totally, documentary about time travel. No, no. Yeah. You weren't very nice in that. No, no, it was, it was, it was just, it was quite interesting to see sort of the the other side of Patrick Swayze because I thought he was this guy that worked in bars, threw <laughs> people out, started fights, yeah. principally the entire life of a of a roadhouse guy. Walk, walk, walked around by walked around lifting women women up at random. Yes, just a woman lifter. It's <laughs> <laughs> a woman lifter, Swayze. <laughs> you're mad. You're a woman lifter. Stop it. <laughs> get out of here, woman lifter. Come on, get out. Put it down. Come on. <laughs> for crying out get out bloody woman lifting coming in here doing your woman lifting thing get out absolutely go sing your song stop lifting up Wendy Fraser sing with her anyway <laughs> number 90 sitting on the dock of the bay by Michael Bolton sing your own damn songs Bolton or Bolton his song is it <laughs> he just sticks stuff together sticks stuff on himself Michael got loads Bolton of Michael Bolton, meet Michael Boltoff. He's your Russian. He's your Russian counterpart. So don't shake Aww. hands. Uh, it'd be like the no, you, end of time cop. You've crossed the bolts. <laughs> now they're threaded. They're never going to be any use to anybody. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi runs through in the background. Bolton, Boltoff, <laughs> Boltar. He's going. He's going to come in as well somewhere from Baltar. Yes, not you, Baltar, Baltar, <laughs> Baltar. Meet Bolton <laughs> and Boltoff. The bolts. <laughs> when they met it was nutty it was very nutty um, I thought this was the singing cousin of Ramsay Bolton from Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah I can get behind that um, and I'd like to see them all in a band all the Bolts now we've mentioned them all all the Boltons Boltoffs <laughs> and of course the uh, Boltars <laughs> Boltars the Boltese the Boltesers the Boltoons because um, that's thought you know, in Game of Thrones he famously writes the Ramsey letter doesn't he the come come and see bastard letter you know he does and I thought that you could sort of there is a version of that that exists which is basically like almost like an advert for the band Michael Bolton's band um, where he sort of invited people to come to his gig but he couldn't quite get the Bolton out of his invite <laughs> 
So I've written a sort of a version of it. It's a working progress, but it's uh, to the traitor and bastards that like MOR music. You allow thousands of middle-aged men and women past the pub security. You have betrayed your own kind and you've betrayed rock music and R&B. The Golden Line pub is mine, bastard. Come and see. Your brother, your brother Ricky and his band, The Plums, are in my dungeon. His kick drum skin is on my face. Come and see. I want my guitar back. Send it to me, bastard. And I will not trouble you or your stupid band. Keep it from me, and I will jump on the stage to fart and throw poo at every man, woman, and babe watching your performance. You will watch as I defecate in their handbags. You will watch as my band members take turn clapping in your sister's face. I think that's meant to be crapping, but I like clapping. It works better. You will watch. It's more threatening. You will watch as my speakers drown out your crazy little fans with loud horn sounds. (laughs) Then I will spoon your eyes from their sockets and let my friend Ben Baggy Denton do the rest. Come and see the gig or not, bastard, (laughs) bastard, (laughs) bizarre, unt extreme. (laughs) Yeah, bolt on, bolt on, bolt on. It's possibly a uh, silent welcoming committee. Not you, Bolter. <laughs> Bolton. Bolton. Come and sing Dock of the Bay. That's his name. It's never been Michael Bolton. It's Michael Bolton. I like that. Yeah. We just never we never saw it. It was there in plain sight all it. along. It's there. So, and he's just still in denial. Now it's now we know it's out there. It's Absolutely. We've we've exposed the truth. We've exposed <laughs> Bolton. <laughs> we've exposed Bolton's nuts. <laughs> we've exposed Bolton's Bolton. <laughs> Stupid bolt on. <laughs> His Lego dangle. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> 27th of March. Uh, in at number seven is Heart by the Pet Shop Boys. Classic Pet Shop Boys, this. Yeah, classic Pet Shop Boys tune. And at least this heart is not broken. Yes, it's fully, fully thin. Fully thin. Fully thin. Yeah. Yep. Good the old tune. Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. Uh, number 29 is Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. I'm not a fan of Fleetwood Mac. No, I'm not aware of that. I didn't know. Well, in all fairness, that song is the one Fleetwood Mac song that I think everybody's heard. Yeah, it's a good tune. And then, and then they used it in that stupid advert, didn't they, with that dancing donkey, which ruined it for everybody then. Everyone likes that song. And then, then and now your prevailing memory of it isn't the charming little song from the 80s. It's the backward dancing donkey thing. Stupid yes. idiots that ruined it for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Not like they don't have enough money. Yeah, stupid. And at number 33, That's the Way I Want to Rock and Roll by ACDC. Yes, and I've made a note here. Sing about something else. ACDC. I'm just putting this out there. For you. It's just an idea. Just stop singing <laughs> songs about rock. You're just making statements or asking questions about rock for those and roll. About to rock, we salute you. Yeah, rock, yeah, yeah. Rock and roll. Yes. Just you know, sing about something else. <laughs> um, I did listen to this. Cause I, well, I did listen to this the other week because this was on the album, wasn't it? And we talked about that. It's just yeah. so typical ACDC riff, squawky vocals, riff, chorus in higher squawk. It's just yeah, that's what made them popular. It's, it's just that's it. That, it's that's a good impression, actually. That I know. But, good, that was a very good impression. But there you go. Number thirty-six is "Sex Talk Live" by The Pow or To Pow. <laughs> the Pow. <laughs> that's what they call everywhere. Yeah. That's what they call everywhere but Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say To Pow. What The Pow? The Pow. Aye, yeah, the, the, aye, pow. the Pow. The Pow. Them Pows are up there. This was the really dirty record that got all it's the rubbish. To Pow fans. They got they. The Tapao fans, and we know one. We did know um, one, yeah. He he was always going, oh, I love that one, I like listening to it at night. And, that, and it's, I think about it now, it's, it sends it a shiver me, down my spine. Yeah, it made my skin crawl in ways that I, did, you know, yeah. I didn't well, like. It, it, it did, and his neighbours, you know, they'd hear that song and then <laughs> just be sat there shivering and crying. Absolutely. It was, it was, it was so loud, his uh, record needle picked it up. Remember, this is the guy that fell through his own wall in his bedroom. He actually fell through his own wall and landed, landed in his parents' bed. 
It's a true and, fact. And had an, an argument so loud with his mum that his record needle picked it up. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, those are true facts. If yeah, you don't think those things are possible, those and, that, and to be clear, this isn't podcast friend Gary. This is somebody else completely, um, which yeah. we won't name for, for legal reasons, but he did fall <laughs> through his own bedroom wall and land on his parents' heads when they were asleep. Yeah. Because uh, he <laughs> literally put a hole in his bedroom wall, a body-sized hole. He was yeah. a big lad, big lad. And also wondered why he didn't feel well enough to go out one night after eating two tubes of Pringles and drinking a bottle of milk. <laughs> but there you go. These are the choices you make as an 18-year-old. Exactly. But he was famously into that song and that's why we mention it yeah so there you go sex yep. talk by the pow number 37 <laughs> who's leaving who by hazel dean hazel dean so this is who's leaving whom yes yes i'm glad you pointed that out because it's true yeah and it should be that it should be who is who's leaving whom yes yeah. who's really in that context as well just just rename it rethink the plan yeah so it's about time hazel this is, this is sub banana rama style 80s pop bah it is and there's bro- uh, sorry her older brother Perland. um <laughs> <laughs> was uh, famous for being in cinemas a lot, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, for adverts for her dad's movies, Jimmy. <laughs> but yes, uh, but it is sub Bananarama style naffness, isn't it? Hazel it really Dean. is. Uh, number 47, yeah. I know you like her, but uh, not for me. Love is Stronger Than Pride by Shade or Sade. Sade, Sivisto Pop again. It's, uh, I, I thought she was quite a amazing nice singer. Nice voice. I'll give her, you know, she's got a lovely, smooth, smooth, yeah. you know, drenched yeah. in smoothness voice. Yeah, and another one that was ruined for the people of um, the small close where our friend lived because he also did the same thing to that. That was the track he played after the Tapau one. So. <laughs> uh, number 70, We All Sleep Alone by Cher. We don't. No, we don't. Yeah. Neither does Cher. She sleeps on a large pile of money with many hunky men. Yes, that's very true, actually, yes. So I read I've that read as anyway. monkey men, strange enough. As many <laughs> as many monkey men. <laughs> Either. She's <just> easy. <laughs> She's not fussy, actually. She's not. She's just got a pile yeah. of money. Yeah. Nothing, there's nothing naughty about it. They're all sleeping. Just, you know, it's, it's for warmth in these trying electrical times. <laughs> <laughs> she, likes them, she likes them monkey men because they're furry. So she's keeping herself nice and toasty. <laughs> she knits them into a big monkey duvet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> she likes the faces at the top so that they're just looking into her face while she sleeps. God, that's unnerving. It's just a series Maybe. of monkey faces just looking down at her. I'm getting a, a proper weird vibe. Of that. It's that movie where he stitches all those people together. It's like that. It's like... Oh, uh, Centipede. No, not... The, the, God, that's, no, that's even worse. I wasn't thinking of that. No, I was thinking that... <laughs> Santa Sangre? No, it's um, Jeepers Creepers where he's making them into a big oh, right. blank yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. The, so God knows what, <laughs> what movie Jeepers should be Creepers watching. Jeepers Creepers and Cher. <laughs> yeah. Just thinking that, you know, he stitches people into... Jeepers Creepers where he stitches monkeys into a duvet would be weird. <laughs> No, it wouldn't be as 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 scary for the people in that prison when he grabs one and like it's all right. He's gonna he won't hurt you. He, you're not a monkey. He's just got a massive <laughs> duvet for the upcoming energy crisis. It's creepy in all sorts of ways. That it is. And finally, just to round off at number seventy six, is "Body and Soul" by the Sisters of Mercy. Um, yes. This is a re-release of the nineteen eighty four EP. Um, I presume I couldn't find any info on this whatsoever for this release, but I presume it's obviously on the back of Floodland. Um, I did link to the video. There is so much goth in that video. It's from the 1984 uh, or five release, whenever it was. Um, it's an okay track, but it sounds like all their other tracks from First and Last and Always. It's that sound. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's pass- passable sister stuff in it. It is. Yeah, it also has Wayne Hussey in it on guitar in a really bad 
shirt and his hair is in a Robert Smith style. Weird to Ooh, see. Big, big and, it's and really blasted. Odd. Yeah, it's bad. It's a bad thing. It's not. It's an. It's an okay track if you like that sort of early sister sound. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So there you go. That's all the singles. Bolt on. <laughs> bolt on. <laughs> bolt, bolt on. on. The pow. Nothing um, really, boltons. <laughs> so we're going to go and take a quick break now. We hope you enjoyed that. There's uh, lots going on there in music. We're going to go take a quick break. We'll be back, and we've got four more games to still get through uh, before the end of this podcast. So please stay with us. A strawberry movie ice lolly and a couple of screwballs to our show sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you will find a remarkable collection of audiobooks, bargain books, ebooks, and more. David once drank a tub of bath water to get someone out of his bathroom. He's a brilliant author as well. Check out this audio chunk of his latest, Escape from the Commodore 64. You can't be taking these here cars without some form of payment. Kane walked over to them and rocked back and forth on his heels. Sarah noticed how much he moved the same way she had in the game with the zappy robots. She expected him to somersault at any moment. Well, Kane said, tapping his foot impatiently. Sarah slipped her hands into her pockets, a stance she normally took when she was preparing for an argument. Her hands hit something cold and smooth. To her surprise, her blood ran cold and excitement prickled behind her ribs. Her features lit up in a classic light bulb moment. What about diamonds? You see, I told you it was good. Now do you believe me? To grab one for yourself and indeed any of the other works from David, visit davidhearnwriter.com. That's david, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com. It's as easy as typing in some words. And we are back. We are back. We've got four more games. So let's not beat around the bush. Let's just get straight into them. Straight into them. The first one, Eyeball. Eyeball. Eyeball 2. Eyeball 2. It's got a subtitle, but I can't remember what it was. Something about more fate, balls. Of the, fate of the balls. Yeah. Ball fate. Um, it's Eyeball 2. It's more Eyeball. Two quid. 90% silver medal, this one. Mm. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Go for it. Go for it. Got speech. Game over. Game over. Yeah, I'd rather not, actually. So here we have the budget sequel to the racing game that was disguised as a shooter, Eyeball, in the obviously titled Eyeball 2. Once again, this is originally on the Spectrum, and it was designed by Timothy Kloss. Do old Timothy. With the C64 conversion once again being done by Andrew uh, Betts. Andrew Betts. There's no music this time, though. No music. Bit of a loss, that. Seeing this original was known for its cool tune. We still get the speech, though. Oh, yeah, plenty of speech. Groovy. 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 Uh, groovy, in fact. Yeah, the instructions for this game were rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. 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 <laughs> groovy. Rubbish instructions. <laughs> so uh, just hats off to remember the cracking team, the, 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 the crack we played, where they had taken the time to explain what to do, what all the power-ups did, which was kind of handy. They did, yeah. Uh, power-ups. Power-ups. Yes. Very useful indeed, those instructions. So thank you very much. Not that they did me much good, though, but we'll get to that. Anyway, the balls. Highly developed balls. That's what this game is about. Highly developed balls. Intelligent balls. These balls have a hankering for knowing where they came from. Where is the, what is their origin? What is their ancestry? Whence did they evolve? Noble questions to posit. But to find out, they will have to brave the radioactive ancient minds and all the evil that lurks within. Mm. For such highly evolved balls, you think they may have invented Ancestry.com by now, but obviously not. And they could have found out exactly where they came from, but you know, maybe, maybe they haven't got the internet. No thumbs, I suppose, have they, to type. No thumbs. No thumbs. Just thumbs. Ball, ball. No thumbs. Just all balls. <laughs> all balls. Balls. No thumbs. Balls. 
Anyway, you need to navigate these mines, which consists of, a, of 50 single screen locations and collect any objects you see that might shed light on the ball evolution conundrum. So this is a single screen platformer puzzle hybrid, I guess. It's very different. So it's very different to the first game. Looks the same, though. Those similar single color sprites and random design ethos. Navigating the screens is simple enough. All you have to do is collect the key. Well, Ta- the aim of navigating the screens is simple enough. Let's say that. Let's rephrase that. Yes. All you have to do is click the key and get the exit. Get to the exit to progress. Sit. Simple. What could be easier? Do this fifty times, and you will uncover the secrets of your past. But nothing is ever easy, and the radioactive mines are littered with two types of enemies. The first of those that shimmer and flash in the light. These are invulnerable to your bullets and must be avoided at all costs. The second are the ever spawning killable kind. These will succumb to your bullet bullets. Bullets, bullets, but Ball more tons. and more will always replace them. Floating around and collision with these will also kill you. If you collide with the uh, the flash ones, it will also kill you. Die three times, and there's no more ancestral quest for you. Each screen is also littered with various objects, ranging from magic bombs to life particles to gemstones. You navigate the screens with left and right. Don't move left and right. Up is to jump, fire is to shoot your laser, and push down and fire to place a bomb if you have any. Placing a bomb will kill all enemies on screen when it detonates. If you collect four life particles, you will gain an extra life. Gemstones can have a multitude of effects, such as extra firepower, which is self-explanatory, fuel injection, which doubles your speed and makes you just a pain in the ass to control, muddle, which reverses the controls, time factor warp, not time warp factor, time factor warp, which slows down the enemies, deep freeze, which freezes the enemies for a short time. Super bounce, which means jump higher. Boring bounce, which puts you jump back down to normal. Down to earth, which I thought was going to stop you bouncing, but doesn't. It actually deactivates the flashing, indestructible enemies that are moving, making them stop moving and fall to the floor. Neutralization, which deactivates those flashing that are not moving. Magic treasure, which gains you points and also does the same thing as neutralization. Easy way out, which turns objects, all obstacles to exit fields, which makes it, you know, you can get out easily. And stop the clock, which stops the timer for a short period. Some of them reminded me of the game Baba Is You. Did you ever play Baba Is You? I have not. Um, it's a very, very good single screen puzzle game, um, which is very, very clever, but um, much better than this. The in-game screen has the game on the left three quarters of the screen and the UI on the right. This UI shows the timer at the bottom, which counts down from 99. So you've got 99 seconds to get to get through the screen. The score and then the number of lives, the life particles you've collected, the bombs you've collected, the gems you've collected, and the keys you've collected. So that all information is on the UI on the right. So with all that explained, it's here that I say that I hated this. <laughs> I absolutely detested this game. The screens are narrow and annoying to navigate. The enemies will very often just slowly trap you in a corner, and death is often more often than not, unavoidable. The jump is stupid. It's like a mountain bound, but it's a bounce and it's stupid. And whilst I like some very tough platformers, see things like what we played, like Hercules, Gods and Monsters, they were both all right, and then games like N++ and Super Meat Boy down the line, this feels incredibly punitive and unfair and above all, not enjoyable in the slightest to play. I appreciate they wanted to do something different for the sequel, but this, for me, is a huge misstep. It's annoying and fiddly and twitchy and generally unpleasant. Navigating the screen is the pain in the ass. Why they did not think to keep the control system from the first game allowed you to navigate them in that way, or at least shrunk the sprites down to give you some room to maneuver, I'll never know. It's a load of balls as far as I'm concerned, and not the good ones. It's so tricky to make, to make your way through anything. 
the jump, if you collect like the, um, uh, what's it called, fuel injection, you don't slow down. So you're constantly moving left and right. You can't, you can barely stop. You have to tweak the joystick just right. The enemies are just floating all around the place. The, the jump is huge. So you're oftentimes just jumping into stuff. You just n- navigating some of these rooms is just a pain in the ass. There's one where you, there's some gray blocks where you've got to get underneath and jump into them, but you instantly bounce down and bounce straight back up to them and they're coming down so they kill you. Nothing is enjoyable here. It's a pain in the ass in every single way. It randomizes the first five screens for the first screen you start off from the first five as well. And that's, you know, okay. That's quite nice to see. But none of these screens are enjoyable to play. None of them offer anything like fun. It's just frustration. And I don't understand what exactly they were going for. The first one was hard, but once you got into the groovy, groovy once you got into the, the rhythm of it and everything, it was actually pretty decent. And I got quite far in the first one, but this I couldn't get anywhere because I just couldn't control it properly. I utterly hated this, even at two quid. No, this is such a huge misstep from the first one. I don't know what went on here. They they, they just did something different and it, it misfired on all uh, on all levels. And you know, it don't even have that music. Don't even have some music to keep you going. Bah, no. 90%. They loved it. I don't know what they were smoking. I thought it was terrible. What about you? Yeah, uh, didn't know what to make of it, really. Felt to me like a really, well, it was a kind of a Spectrum game, really, with in a C64. Very, le- very, wasn't very C64 like. It didn't have any of the strengths, really, anyway, either. Gameplay was really weird. I had a weird Cauldron 2 vibe almost about it. But not very good version. I suppose it played okay if you if that's your bag. For me, the main issues were a who, who wanted this sequel anyway. Nobody I know wanted it. Eyeball was quite good. Nobody wanted an eyeball too. Seems obtuse. Why not keep all the music and vibes that was in the first one? Yes, I guess this speech, but the speech wasn't the thing. The music was the thing. The speech was a Absolutely. nice extra thing. But they made a big thing of the speech. All right, but not in a good way. So it just makes it really annoying. And then most importantly, why pick the most obtuse parts of the first game and make more of those parts? Why not pick the good things from the first game and make more of those parts? They've just picked the weird crap from the first game that didn't really make any sense anyway and made a game out of it, which is just not a very good idea. Um, So I suppose the only saving grace here is £2. I don't get why it got 90%, but it's all subjective, isn't it? Just rubbish, this, not enjoyable. Um, It's certainly a long way. I mean, like you say, Eyeball wasn't perfect. But Eyeball was two pounds worth of decent music from Hubbard, bit of nice speech and a race game, essentially, wasn't it? Yeah, it um, was, yeah. This is some hybrid, nonsensical load of garbage. Two pounds, too much. No, thanks. No, I do yeah. not ball two. I do not ball two at all. Yeah, the, th- no. the thing with Eyeball was it was kind of, it looked like a vertical scrolling shooter, but it wasn't. It was a racing game. You just had to leg it. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it rewarded pace and going crazy and, you know, being adventurous and being you know uh, um what's the word i'm looking for um just go, go, you know going for it just just taking the chance yeah, risky yeah. you know taking those risks yeah. and that's what that game rewarded this doesn't do any of that it's boring and methodical and plodding no those aren't I'm, good things no it's not really disappointed with this because i was thinking oh eyeball too this might be thinking i was like ah what's this bah no 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 good. I, I never no. actually i don't think i saw this back then i don't think i was aware of it and i've never really i've never really heard it mentioned by anyone which is always a yeah i'd heard it and but and I, I somehow managed to avoid it. I'm wondering if um, I'd, I'd got it from some crack or something and seen it and thought, ugh, goodness me, that's awful. So Yeah, there we go. Eyeball poo. Eyeball poo it is. Simple, but, you know, effective. Yes. Take them when they're there. Let's move along, because surely the, the next one must be better. Graham, what's it like being a little green man? Well, I can tell you, it ain't no fun. 
<laughs> is this from Bug Bite? This is created by Peter Tulby with the musician was Andy Brown. The irony of there being a musician called Andy Brown in a game called Little Green Man wasn't lost on me for some chuckles. I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, you are the king of little green men and you have escaped from your captors, but now you're stranded in the world. This is basic. I'm not even going to go too far into it because essentially you, you've got to basically get to your spaceship in a scrolling sort of series of running jumps. And it reminded me of Freddy Hardest in that kind of way, mm-hmm. that kind of running from left to right on the screen, jumping over stuff and dying a lot because you'll do that a lot in this god awful nasty piece of shite. So that's that's it. That's the mainstay of the game because that's as far well. That's as far as I got, and, and I had no reason to believe that it got any more complex than that. Looking at some of the screens, um, I just thought this was horrible, really horribly weird music in this, really awful. So sorry, uh, Andy Brown, but um, no, dead annoying opening when you start the levels as well. Where it came, sort of it appears on like some kind of electric shower. <laughs> oh, it's supposed to be a transporter, I think. Yeah, no. Um, and then before long, you're being chased by something from the left, which will kill you because the chances of you being able to jump accurately on this are impossible because of the way they've made the jumping stupid. So the controls of this actually prevent you from jumping in the way you want at any given moment. So mm-hmm. you're never really going to be able to, because you have to, you have to run to jump sort of sideways and over things. You have to run. So you can't, but if you, if you don't, if you're not moving, I think you can't jump. I think that's how it works. Yep. So why isn't the fire button just jump all the time? Why is it only jump if you're going in a certain way? And even then it's got to be pixel accurate to jump yep. over these little things or, or you're dead. Um, the graphics are really flickery, even though there's only one sprite on the screen, really, principally. Yeah. Um, which is kind of unforgivable, really. You know, if you, if you're, if you've got flickery scrolling on one sprite, you're, you know, your multiplex is not just bad. You haven't got one and you know, what are you doing? <laughs> Why stop, you stop right the there. Colours on this are really green, obviously, um, for your little man. But I think the background graphics, as I remember, there were there were this kind of the, blue-purple colour. Yeah, they were like um, white and sort of blue, mountains I think, and, Yeah, sort of weird trees. And, you know, you're obviously the enemies that you come across, should you even get to them, have got to kind of have a green. They're all green. It's, it doesn't matter. This game looks and plays badly, if not brokenly. It looks like it was created back in 1983 and then it's just been sat in some cupboard somewhere and someone's thought, I know, I'll make a few quid off that. Let's stick it out. This is three quid though. So it's, this is, you know, this is supposed to be upper class budget. I'm like, come on, are you having a laugh? This is awful. Um, yep. Just terrible, terrible, terrible thing. I had no fun with this, which is, you know, and, and a game that principally involves you moving one direction and jumping periodically, which it prevents you from doing those two things. You don't run for very long because you'll be dead. And you can't jump properly. Those are the two things that it's supposed to do. Without those things, you're no more of a king of the little green people than than anybody else is. You're not a king in this <laughs> world. You can. You, it's just. And why would you persist with it? Why would you persist? You only get three lives. You're never going to make it to the end. Never in a million years. Even and if you do, by some miracle, you're never going to get through this game. God knows if there's anything at the end of it. I doubt it. I doubt it very much. So no. If you escape from your captors on this, good luck. I hope you do. But and you can. There are checkpoints in it. So you can get so far, and it does. You don't always start from the beginning of the level where you, when you die. I suppose that's maybe a saving grace. I did, though, because I never got very much further than the beginning of the first level because I kept dying on them little pop-up pit things. that I couldn't yeah, yeah. jump over them. I, could, I jumped over the first one by a miracle once, and then the second one, which is very shortly get, after I, that. I did get past the get past first it. transporter. But no, I didn't uh, Didn't get much further than that. And that's because that by then the tedium of this nonsense had kicked in. I thought, nah, no, 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 no. So I switched it off. Um, 52% it's got in Zap. Three quid. Three quid too much. You know, this is the, the, the triple budget bastardry. We, we haven't had this for a while, have we? But um, Little Green Man Can Do One, it was bloody awful. about you? Yeah, I, I I knew when we started this podcast, there'd be games like this, like forgotten games, forgotten to the mists of time, for, for, you know, for good reason. And this, this is weird. What even is this? 
the singular positive thing I can say about this is that it feels odd and weird, and it feels like it's fallen through some strange hole in space and time from somewhere else, somewhere where mm. Mario never happened and platformers like this are the norm. Yeah, it, yeah. It's somewhere that I never want to go to. Is This is painful to play in just about every way. The movement is sluggish. The jumping is pixel perfect. The delay between goes is infuriating. The speech yeah. is hilarious. Oh, I forgot when about you, the speech. The speech when you fall down the holes and it goes, bye. <laughs> I yeah, laugh my head crap. off for ages. Bye. I forgot about the crappy speech. You have to insert the speech here. You have to get it and put it yeah, in. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. <laughs> it's terrible. Everything about this is wrong. And even at budget price, this feels all kinds of bad. The monotonous drone of the music and the weird stylings felt like I was being programmed into doing something I wanted no part of. So I switched it off very quickly and went for a walk in the sun. It felt really yeah. weird. It felt like I was being, there's something being done to my brain. It feels like that, mm. that like a dark thing. Like the other one we played, what was it? Uh, the Necromancer? Yeah. Remember that? There's certain games that feel like they're, they're getting under your skin in some kind of, you know, We branded way. them in the last episode. We called them the Pontypool games. Yes. Yeah. There's something weird about some of these yeah, games. Yeah, we can't explain how, but they're part of the Pontypool problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kiss is kill. Kiss is kill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is crap. This is crap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think there are games on the C64 that were not meant for this world, and this is one of them. But also, you know, this is really shit. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> this is shit. This is shit. Body bull. <laughs> it really is terrible. It's really bad. The fact that the 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 platforming is just garbage when you do get past the um first transporter you, there's a ladder you've got to climb but there's a green alien start at the top of this ladder at these little bricks and it just shoots at you and you move so slowly that you just can't get out of the way because everything's sluggish and slow and how can you be this slow with one sprite on screen don't ask that question because that's pontypool it is yeah if you go to, if you ask too many questions about little green man then little green men will come for you i feel <laughs> yeah like that phantasm movie they're just little green people appear in your house <laughs> and just start smashing shit up Absolutely. Well, we just we just had a game about balls. Now we've had a game yeah, about... It's all making sense. Be careful. Yeah. The tall man will be in. <laughs> the tall man. Angus. Angus. <laughs> oh, I'll be here. Oh, crap. What a crap yeah. game Awful. that was. Awful. Let's be move gone, on. Demon. Surely the next one will be better. Mm. He's back. The man behind the mask. Anyway, osmium. <laughs> osmium. <laughs> sounds bad to say. Osmium. <laughs> sounds like it sounds like the that um second class return to Nottingham. <laughs> Just osmium. <laughs> osmium. So you can't say this without sounding like you got a blocked nose. Wait, play it. Osmium. <laughs> it's got any rings in uh, the gold, silver, or osmium. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir. You want the shop down the road? <laughs> yes. The, the, yes that's... the chemist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tunes. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes, I'd still like an osmium ring. Osmium. That's the that's the that's above the chemist. <laughs> anyway, where to start with this? Let's start with what it says in the case. Do you know what it says in the case, Graham? It says hurtle over the surface of the planet Osmium, the most dangerous planet in the galaxy, in a high-speed action-packed fight to the death. Does that sounds like this dangerous. Game? No, it isn't. But why is it dangerous? I don't know. That's all it says. You're not even on a planet. That's all it says. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not this game. No, it's I, not. I thought if, if Delta is Delta, then this is probably pre-alpha <laughs> or God something. Delta, honestly. Uh, this is from Darren Watts. Alistair Darren Watts, the guy who did Zip. He did and we Zip, have another, all right. And we have another awful schmup. He did that other one as well, that for, that Forbidden Zone rip-off we saw the other, into the oh, other God, world or whatever did, the other yeah. week. Another awful schmup. In fact, all that seems to have happened is that he's added screen shake and rotated Zip 90 degrees. 
Oh, the screen shake. The endless, <laughs> endless screen shake. <laughs> we'll get to that. According to Mo- Moby Games, though, the planet Osmium is home to the evil Rexilian Blitz Troopers, and your mission is to fly over the surface of the planet and destroy them all. I Could have put that on the cassette, couldn't they? It's still a load of stupid nonsense. Anyway, this is a left to right squadron shmup in the same mold, and you know, as is same mold as Delta. So, if you want to reference, if mold refer- is one word. If you want a reference point for what type of game this is, it's you know, as War as Zip was Warhawk. This is Delta. And it's not just Delta in style, but anyway, we'll come to that. As noted, it's made by Darren Watts. Has music by Jay Derrett, someone else who seems to be everywhere now. It's in a lot of his tunes. When the game loads, we get an animated title screen with a really solid piece of music. Probably the best thing about it, all told. It's far too good for this game, but that's not the first time we've said that and probably not the last. Mm. Is it, what, is, what's, what, where's he got the music from? Because it ain't from... Is it, who did it? Jay Derrett. Yeah, that's what I mean, but I'm, I'm feeling it isn't. I think he's borrowed it from somewhere. Oh, has it? Oh, maybe he has sort of thing. But it's too it's, good. It's, it is a very, very good piece of music. I was listening to it for ages. I thought, this is really good. But anyway, what is what it is. The main title screen is a series of panels. Start in the middle, then move down to the bottom right, listening first to credits. It's like they ran out of space. <laughs> it's like, Stupid. Why did you start them in the top left? Or not do them that way? Like they're overlaying. It's dead weird. So, so yes, yeah, so they, they go down to the bottom right. They, they list, first list the, the credits. Then you get two of how to play, which is just shoot stuff. And finally, there's some greetings, like it's a demo. Really weird. Uh, we then also get a screen showing us what the power-ups do and what scores aliens give. And when you see the power-ups, you might say to yourself, well, they look familiar. And that's because they are. They're straight out of Delta. <laughs> Just a bit. Literally, they are. There's blue sprites, blue squares out of Delta. So as is much of this game, really. If Delta was eaten first by a... So as, sorry, as as much of this game. If Delta was eaten first by a cow, then it had to traverse the four stomachs and plop its way to the earth at the end. That's what this game is. And also, there's some things in the border as well. I have a feeling that he was a demo coder, just thought he'd make some games. Um, so it's, it's neat, I guess, some border stuff. Pressing the fire button gets into the game, and aren't they the same sprites from Zip, only rotated 90 degrees? Yes. I think they are. And why does the yep. screen shake constantly? Why? Don't ask. First impressions do not bode well, and they are likely to be the best impressions you have of this. Enemies approach from the right or left, in waves and you must dodge or shoot them every so often the power-ups will scroll across and you've got to shoot the ones you want from speed up to extra firepower to bonus points and more enemies appear and it all looks bad and it plays worse the ship is a knockoff from iridium in the way that does that flip thing so it looks like a crappy iridium knockoff same kind of rotation the waves of enemies just poor variants of those we saw in zip and ultimately you know knocked off from delta a few waves in, you'll either be dead, bored or dead, bored and we'll want to turn this off which is what you should do the waves of enemies are random and some just whiz through the middle, others wobble about, and there are the expected pillars to negotiate. And just go play Delta. You know, it's better than yep. this in every way. And even two quid, the constant wobbling of the landscape, which, by the way, doesn't affect the waves. So it's just a landscape wobbling for some reason. The whole screen <laughs> yeah. is just just shakes. So the, the, there's a landscape at the bottom, which is just shuddering. The whole screen just, and I, there's no explanation for it. I don't understand. Nope. It's just crap. This crap feel of the whole thing makes it a complete waste of time and effort. Bad. Oh, it's got some speech too, hasn't it? Um, mm. Which I can't remember now, but that was also bad. This was awful. Osmium. 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 <laughs> Can I just have some Osmium? <laughs> um, this was awful. 33% it got. Too much. I'll say, I, well, actually, I'll give it 33% for the music because the music is actually pretty decent. I will give it that. And I did like it. But it, and to be fair, I was quite, because it only got 37% for sound in the review. And I think that's quite harsh because I think that tune deserves more. But the rest of the game is just god awful. It's just zip on the side. So just as bad. It's just crap. What was, what were we thinking? Do you mean they were thinking about anything in particular? What, what, what did you think? 
It was a shit Delta ripoff. Yep. And a really, a really shit one where they, I think, ripped some of the graphics out of Delta blatantly, of, or at least, well, I, mean, I know the graphics are just blue squares for the power-up things when they appear, but they appear in exactly the same way, in exactly the same manner. You, yeah. You, it's, it's Delta. It's just, a, it's just a bad ripoff of Delta. Even the things in the top and bottom border are out of Delta. Delta does that. Yep. And it does it properly, not like yeah, this. This not is like this. I th- I have a funny feeling and I'm I could be wrong, but I wonder if you went into the code in here, you'd find it's probably a little bit of someone's hacked out Delta maybe a little bit here. This is far too similar to be able to get away with it. Um I don't care if it's a budget price. This is just rubbish. This is just rubbish and not and just awful. And like you said, the music's passable, I suppose, but everything else here is a waste of your time. There's no fun to be had. It's like zip, same problem with zip. It's this Get rid of these things. They're just crap. There's so many good games out there that are better than this. Um, so no, 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 no. Just you're taking advantage of people's pocket money here. No, the the but the, the target market for the people who are likely to buy this outside of grandmas and things, which we've already said many times. The target they're aiming for are kids who have a little bit of pocket money to spend, yep. which means you're ripping off kids, and that's not nice. Nope. That is not a nice thing to do. So. I think don't do that. And this is, you know, his is, if we're going to look back at historic, his history and it teaches anything, that just seems to be a really mean thing to do because that's that is what you're doing. You are making a game that would appeal to the only people who would really have the kind of money that 199 reaches for are those kids. That's a, that's a kid you're aiming that at. That's isn't an adult that's going to have Delta or have the money to buy Delta. So yep. I think you just, you just, I think it's, it's an absolute shocking thing to do. Rotten rotten and i don't know whether that's bug bite who's done who put this out is it no um, this, is, this is powerhouse again so it's powerhouse is it so I, this is obviously powerhouse's mo rip off kids well get lost and take the crappy games with you and erase yourself from time and space immediately nope rubbish yep awful rip off. Awesome. ripping off kids is an is a nasty thing to do i think and that's the, clearly what that is i'm sorry but it is no you're right i agree with you completely it is a it is a piece of ass this Really bad. It is. There we go. That's our third. Yeah, like you said, triple triple budget bastards. Yeah, battle of the bastards. Yeah, it really is. Well, let's move on. We've got one game left. Let's see if it gets any better. Graham, Garfield's big, fat, hairy deal. Garfield. Everyone loved Garfield. Garfield was a big deal, wasn't it, back in the mid-80s? He was massive, yeah. Yeah, huge. Massive, massive popularity. Not so much now. But he was massive then. There's still a thing, a little garlic, garlic, a little, um, I don't know I said garlic, a little Garfield thing, I suppose. This is from The Edge. Copyright is Soft Tech International. Have we come across them before recently? Maybe, um, maybe. Uh, musicians Neil Baldwin, otherwise known as Demon. <laughs> um, Garfield, if in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, is a fictional cat. Uh, it is a protagonist of a comic strip and a large series of books and also a comic and comic strip, sorry, and also a cartoon and a live action movie and a big deal. Created by somebody called Jim Davis. Soft Tech did uh, Inside Out in or Devon Air. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it's, ed- it's the edge people, isn't it? The, edge, yeah, yeah. the edges. The edges. So not the guy from uh, uh, View 2. Um, so <laughs> the actual comic strip of Garfield centers on Garfield, who is a cat, um, and he's portrayed as kind of a big, cynical, sardonic, sarcastic, tabby kind of cat, um, famous for loving lasagna, coming out cracking one-liners. Um, he, he lives with a guy in a house with a guy called John, um, he ha- who also has a dog called Odie. He has a sort of a side girlfriend called Arlene, I think, kind of a characters there's a range of characters and there's even one called Nermal, i think which is like a little smart alec sort of kitten that he hates mm. and he the mainstay of the cartoon comic is garfield making smart ass comic comments 
about stuff. He hates Mondays, for example. He has a hatred of Mondays. And he comes out and he's also, you know, he's famously quite a fat for a cat, so he doesn't actually do much exercise. And there's just insert lots of little skits about that kind of thing that work in the context of a comic. Now, mm-hmm. so the game is based on that. Now, there's a very much a definitive style to how Jim Davis drew Garfield. So Garfield, although it's a cat, it's kind of a big, wide cat, big, wide head. There's a, there's, it's principally a, a sort of characterization of that. But still, very much Garfield. If you saw it, you'd know it was Garfield. So it's kind of a, almost like a brand. A bit like Tom and Jerry is, but like, you know, it's a cat. It's not just a durative cat. It is a stylized version of that. So important to note that. In the game on the C64, your girlfriend Arlene has been captured and is in the cat pound or rescue center, as we call them now. Um, Garfield's got to navigate through John's house, through the streets and the alleyways, various sewers and other flick screen locations, looking for objects to gather up and use in various locations that will help him eventually rescue Arlene. In addition, there is food dotted about which Garfield must eat too or run the risk of becoming too lethargic and thus becoming unwilling to help and keep going and gets bored of the task. There's also hazards that will get in your way, such as rats and shopkeepers and other things. And if they contact you or make contact with you, they will reduce your energy levels that you have. If you lose your energy or you become too lethargic, it's game over. Um, So you control Garfield with the joystick where you can walk, jump, pick up objects and kick. Um, And that means you can lash out at um, at Lodi. So you can periodically boot him across the screen, which is kind of a leaning into the kind of relationship that Garfield has over Odie. Odie's a bit of a brain dead dog. Dog, Dogs in this are kind of seen as brain dead, sort of barking, giving, you know, throw a bone and the dog will go play fetch and a bit brainless, mm-hmm. whereas cats are seen as very smart, sp- you know, able to vocalize and speak and talk and all that kind of stuff. So um, you move around, obviously, in the game, pick things up and then you've got to use them in the right locations. When you do that, as you'll start to crack the various things needed. Um, now, some of those objects are a bit obtuse and some of the ways you use them, even more obtuse, seems to be the curse of these kind of games. A bit Jack and the Nippery in that respect and a few mm-hmm. others that are a bit like this. Yep. <sighs> The main window of the game is the play area with a very well-realized cartoon-looking set of backgrounds and very, very good sprites. Um, there's a lot to like in that. This does look the part. It looks like Garfield. It animates really well. It animates like a good Garfield. Perhaps over-animates a little bit because there's some of the controls are a little bit haphazard because of that, but it has a really nice flow. Um, and the response from Garfield, although it is a tad sluggish, it does kind of go with the game. If you go with the idea that Garfield is a big lumpy cat that doesn't really want to do much of any anything anyway and kind of is a bit self-centered and sarcastic. There's a jaunty, if gradually annoying, tune that plays as you work around. Um, you wait around through the various uh, screens. And the UI gives you your current energy, liturgy indications. You score some Garfield-like phrases, which is kind of a leaning into the sort of comic books that there were. So I hate Mondays and, oh, where's my lasagna? And you just, it's all okay. Also plays like a reasonable arcade adventure type thing, flick screen thing, if, if that's the kind of thing that you like. Okay. But that is about it, that is both the blessing and the curse of this game for me. It looks like Garfield and it plays like it should, but it's not very much fun. And indeed, that's the problem. It's not it's neither very funny or, or very much fun. In fact, it gets pretty boring wandering around because there's little to no payoff for things in this. Nothing really pays off in a way. And we had the same complaint about Jack the Nipper, as I recall. Mm-hmm. That it all feels like a meaningless wandering around picking stuff up, but the payoffs aren't there. The connection isn't there between the object you pick up and the big thing that it's going to do, nor does the big thing happen, generally speaking. So gradually, that meandering around, picking stuff up, picking up the aniseed balls and taking them over there, picking up the dog ball and taking it over there and doing those things. Um, We said it way, way back in the early days of this podcast. You know, I don't really like games where I pick up an object, go 50 screens to the right, put it down somewhere, pick another one up, go 50 screens to the left. They're not my cup of tea, that. No matter how you dress that up, 
Um, and this is dressed in really good looking Garfield sprites and animations. It really looks the part and sort of has a vibe about it. But the actual game itself is boring. And that's such a tragedy, really. So it goes from being what could have been something quite fun to something which is actually quite funless. So that's a shame. I think they've had a good crack at this license in a way that we've not seen often. So there's so much that's nearly there with this. It's just it's annoying, really. But the main issue for me, and this is overlays the fact that the game gets dull, because you could, if you like mapping and you like these arcade, arcade, arcade adventures, some people do, you might like that kind of wandering around, picking stuff up. Maybe that's your thing. But the real problem here for me is that um, the humor and the sardonic nature of Garfield with all the layers of sarcasm don't make for anything tangible in a game. And that's a problem mm-hmm. when the fundamental part of the character in the game is those things. Because otherwise, it's just, it could be any character wandering around. It doesn't have to be Garfield, it could be anybody. In order for it to be Garfield, the mainstay of the game and the design of the game had to revolve around Garfield doing things that Garfield doesn't want to do and making those things really difficult and be, having a good payoff for them when they do. Those That would have worked, but how do you convey sarcasm in a game where you're controlling a sprite, picking up aniseed balls or just manoeuvring around a screen? Those things, it just doesn't have that, and that's a real problem. So it's a looker. Graphics are good. Say so the sounds less so maybe, but at least it's passable. It does get annoying in the end. But for me, it's back to how do you solve a problem like comic book humor? I'm not sure you can. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure you can. It certainly doesn't work here. So that's for my uh, my two pennies worth. Um, I don't know what Garfield would have said to that. Big deal, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> Probably. I haven't read any Garfield books in years. What about you? Yeah, isn't this just everyone's a Wally, Pajama Rama, Herbert's W and Jack the Nipper, yeah, totally so on those and so things, on yeah. and so on. It's just that yeah. template stuck on Garfield. Yes, it's well presented, but the presentation gets in the way of the playing for me, I thought. The animation and rendition of Garfield is great. It feels like Garfield, you know, where he wanders, where he talk, walks around, so that. But the problem with that is he's not con- he doesn't control snappily enough for what the game actually wants you to do. Controls were weird, weren't they? Like, you want him to jump, but you have to have to get, he kind of has to animate down to a jump and push him, so you just kind yeah. of fall off stuff. Trying to get on the table, with, and they'll just walk off the table. It's just like, I don't know. So there's a delay between wanting to do something and him doing it, and it becomes painful because it leads to missed jumps and the like, and that that may be true to the character, but it then leads to bad gameplay. Yes, so you've got yes. A, you've got a, you've got a, a disconnect there in what this game wants you to do, but in trying to stay true to the character, you can't do it. The visuals, as I said, they're excellent. The music does get annoying. They've captured the feel and look of Garfield, but is Garfield often wandering about the place trying to find things and give them to their rightful owners or whatever? Is that no, Garfield? More often, more often than not, he's, he's not moving. No, it's exactly it. Um, it reminded me as well, uh, alongside those other games, uh, of Handicap as well, the Handicap yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, Because again, that looked the part, but you're trying to cram this template of game onto onto something else. I get it. It's an yep. arcade adventure. It's what you do. But is that Garfield or is that the Garfield license and look shoehorned into a tried and tested game template of the time? Mm, That's essentially what so. we've got. Add to this the fact that you are constantly battling hunger and tiredness, which work at odds with each, with each other, seemingly. If I move, I get tired, but I mm. must move to get food or else I get too hungry and it's also game over. Either those bars reach zero, it's game over. So if I move, I get tired. That goes down. If it takes me too long to find food, that also things. But I've been wandering around, so I'm getting. T- These don't seem to work together. I have to sit down to get my tiredness back up, but then I'm getting Weird. hungry. It's like pick a system, pick yeah. one way to punish yeah. me. Two opposing mechanics make this more mature than it needs to be. As, as, as these kind of games go these arcade adventures, I guess it's okay, but is it Garfield? Was Scooby-Doo suited to being a Kung Fu master clone? Nope. It's the same here. It's forcing a license into a template, a size 10 foot into a size 7 shoe, a square peg into a round hole. What could you do with the Garfield license? Well, maybe the question should have been, 
should there be a Garfield game? Yep, exactly. You know, probably not. But licenses bring money, and when you can rec- and when you can recognize the characters and shove them into a hole and kind of make them fit, even if the essence of what made those characters is lost somewhat, I guess it doesn't really matter, really. If someone made some money somewhere along the way, because that's all that was they were bothered about. These are just you know licenses to print cash. Um, and that's what they had. Big fat hairy deal is on the nose. This one, as it sounds like, what went on behind the scenes. I think. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, I, 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 you, I think we've both spotted this a mile off. You, you're shoving the wrong. You, you're shoving a license into something mm. that doesn't can't. Games are not built for this sort of thing. You either make it, don't do it, and like you said, it could be anything wandering about. They'll make it anything. Then you know, Basil's a great mouse detective. That kind mm. of at least thing because he's going around hunting for stuff and trying to find mm. stuff out game went great but at least it kind of fitted the license a little bit this does mm. not fit the license in no. any way shape or form i also thought as well with, with garfield just as a, as a thing about garfield was garfield like because when when garfield came out here and when i first came kind of got aware of him in the 80s became aware of him he seemed very different didn't it because it's very different to british humor which around the time mm. was very anarchic so your monty pythons your young ones your those kind of things yeah. which, you know that, that kind of in your face like oh craziness that kind of laid back slouched humor was garfield based on um people like lenny bruce and or you know do you know th- i don't like, know things like that you know those kind of, that kind of american humor uh, uh, you Must know what be. became like al what's his face in um married with children and people like you know that maybe is, think, there a, is there a lineage going back to that kind and is garfield part probably. of that lineage i think is yes there's the sort of the, um, there's, there's a comedian that's uh, American comedian, um, so I can't remember his name now. He's in. He does the voices in um, Reservoir Dogs on the radio. Um, oh yeah, I know Steve. the one you mean. Um, yes. And there's that sort of sarcastic. Uh, yeah, it is. There must and be a American Chris, tradition Chris, to it. Christopher Lloyd's character in Taxi. Maybe there is. Probably, in fact, there probably definitely is. I know Garfield sort of predates about that, that bit, but that that can. And I thought that you know that was probably why. Kind of, kind of thing over here because that wasn't British humour. That's kind of this laid back stoner, or not stoner, but kind of a bit uh, whatever. Well, it's leaning on the kind of peanuts type. Yeah, downbeat. You know, you know yeah. the world isn't Snoopy, great. And, that kind of thing, and yeah, what you're going to do? Might as well just go back to sleep. Yeah, that, that I think it is probably stemming from that kind of. That is a very American type idea. Um, yeah. I did do a lot of research into Garfield for this, other than I did the a sort bit, of top level to stuff, find but, it, but I couldn't find any sort of direct reference of what sort of um, let it. Lots of like. So but, yeah, the, the normal panels in the comics are normally three three panels in the comic books, and normally it's uh you know Garfield in a situation somebody notices Garfield says witty one line response yeah um no so one of you know a couple of them are you know what are you doing in there Garfield well you know and I'm, I'm getting I don't know I can't crack a Garfield joke I know so. what, I know what you mean yes I know yeah. but yeah but it, it, I was just wondering where that comes if, from if, I don't know if that lineage was going back into those kind of and where that sort of started with that kind of not Bilko esque well, but. Well, interestingly, the books were massively popular in the UK, the comic books, because there was loads and loads of Garfield books that came out at one point. Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, but there was about 15 to 20 of them, sort of small format books. Um, but the cartoon was not very popular in the UK. Um, I don't know how the films fared, the, the films with Bill Murray doing the voice, but I think by then, I think it was a, you know, nobody really was into Garfield, but there was a point when it was it was quite popular to have those little Garfield books. I had a few of them. I think I got a few for birthday presents back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I just remember them sort of along, sitting alongside the uh, far side books and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't, just don't remember my sides splitting thinking about them now. I don't quite know why I quite liked them, but there was you know, the Big Fat Hairy Deal, I think is the name of one of the books, I think, and that was the kind of sort of, witty one-line type idea. I'm not sure where it comes from. 
interesting no. actually be, we should probably look that up maybe but it was just a thought I was just kind of wondering if it was into and why it was not that made you know. it into this game though <laughs> no well, they try to with some of the sort of text that comes up at the bottom and some of the things but it, like I said you're just yeah. shoehorning a, a, a license onto a template yeah that's it what, that's, what did Zap make of it they gave it 80 odd didn't they they gave 79 oh. brilliant graphics yeah, good sound yeah. hookability and lastability was down low so it was it said it was too easy to solve and stuff but you know yeah. it looks it looks the part but it Essentially, they're saying the same as us, but it says you you, re- you realize that it's just another one of them. Yeah, which is which is which fair is enough. true, very true. It is. There you go. That's it that's for it. this. That's it for this week. We have looked at uh, eight games, and it's not been a great bunch. <laughs> You know, say, I wouldn't say there was even eight games there because some of those don't deserve to be called games. That's true. So we we started off with Project Stealth Fighter, which so stealthy we couldn't find the fun in it. Yeah. Um, Demon Stalkers, which uh, you know maybe called Demon Stalkers or it may be called Cavalax Revenge or who knows <laughs> who knows what it goes by. We have Zip, which was you know <laughs> awful. Crap. Sidearms, which ironically was probably the best one. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Out of that lot. Yeah, probably. It's low, it's low, but you know, there you go. Yeah, it's the least. It's the least shit. Yeah, yeah. Eyeball two, which was not not great. Little green not man, great. which was abysmal. Awful. Osmium, Osmium, Osmium. Osmium. Tunes. Uh, Osmium. I suppose. I suppose, if I'm being honest, probably Garfield's big fat hairy deal was probably the most technically accomplished. Uh, well, well, actually, Project Stealth Fighter was the most technically accomplished. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not beat around the bush. But whether which was the most fun to play, I probably had most of them with side downs. But it's not been a great week. No, there's a bunch of you know difficult. I mean, I admire Project Stealth Fighter and the people that dig it, but it's not my thing. And out of that no. lot, that's probably the one that's technically head and shoulders above miles above everything else, like you say. Yeah. But Garfield certainly looks the part, and I suppose it's the most co- accomplished whole game there, other than because the, the rest of them are very hit and miss to say the least. Yeah, true. Anyway, there we go. It's not a, not been a great week. What are we uh, getting into next week? Uh, mm. So we're carrying on with March. We've got another eight games. We've got IO to look at. Oh, God, we won't last long in that. <laughs> Set difficulty to astronomical. <laughs> uh, Masters of the Universe, the movie. Oh, God. <laughs> Fruit Machine Simulator. Okay. Yay! That sounds great. great. Sidewalk, uh, the follow-up to Sidearms. That doesn't sound very exciting. <laughs> Pavement. Uh, Pavement, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zybex. That's meant to be pretty good, Zybex. I've heard that's pretty good. Point X. Yeah, that's a new one. Never heard Who that. Who knows? Uh, question of Scruples. Okay. Which is the board game. So get ready to be scrupled, Graham. Um, and finally, Battle Valley. Which, I think you know, Battle Valley good. might be the first Jerome or Jerome Tell. I don't know pronounce his name, actually. Jerome, I guess. Jerome Tell piece is of it? music in a game. I think, yeah. I'm not sure. There might be. We'll do a bit of check-in. I have a feeling it might be. And I have a feeling he was maybe 14 when he did that. Wow. That's incredible. I think I could be completely wrong, so please don't quote me on that. But I have a feeling right. he was very young when he did that, and that might be the very first game. I'm not saying it's his first piece of music, but it's certainly one of the Jerome first game Tell pieces. was 14 when he did the music for <laughs> Battle it's, Valley it's 2, according to Graham Raddings on Zap to the Parts <laughs> podcast. <laughs> don't know. You'd have, to, you'd have to look it up. I suppose we will do when we come to it. We will do when we come to look at that. That's it. That's for next week. That's it. Um, as ever... If you wish to support the podcast, you can do, and you can do that in a financial manner rather than just giving us a listen or a download. You can do that by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past. Get your episodes early, um, a few days early and advert mm. free. Um, so you can be listening to them over the weekend um, and you can do that for a very small fee. So you can either, uh, so to get them, it's the £4.50 tier. Uh, so it's not much. 
um, and we really appreciate that. It helps us keep the wheels spinning and keep the servers on and, and everything like that and keeps us doing what we're doing. You'll get uh, bonus episodes, early episodes for everything we do, access to our Discord server, which is a cool little community with high score challenges and weekly challenges and things like that and just general good chit-chat and vibes. So if you want all that, then come along. And, and obviously the pleasure of just helping us out, that's all cool. Come along and sign on up. So that's patreon.com forward slash sapped to the past. You can also, you know, download us, rate us, review us on iTunes. Oh, I suppose it does something. I don't know. But, you know, it'd be cool if you could do something. That would be very nicely appreciated. I think that's it. I don't think I've got think much is. else that I need to add uh, this week. We are, so we're, we're into March. We're almost a, getting through a quarter of the way through the year already. Feels like only yesterday. We were just finishing off 1987. But we're moving on in. This could be the episode where we hit 64,000 downloads as well. Uh, I will have hit it before this. Mm, okay. I guarantee you. I think, yeah, we will have hit it before this. We'll hit it with 79. So we will have hit 64,000 downloads. I know we will. There you go. I, I'm, I'm gar- I guarantee it. We're almost there now. Well, it's Which dangerous is cool. to say 64K. guarantee. 64K. I'm saying it now. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Okay. 64K. We will have hit it. And that's cool, really, isn't it? That's the Commodore 64K. Incredible. Incredible. Um, and obviously, thanks to every single person that's given us a download. Um, yeah. And also, just apologies for if you were trying to get 77 a few weeks back where there was a bit of a glitch in the matrix yeah, um, band- behind, snafu, behind the scenes. But... And so, but hopefully that all got rectified and everything's back yes. and smooth sailing now. Uh, apologies for that. It's a while back now, about what time you listen to it. One a while back for us, but it's time. Anyway, sorry about that. We got anything more you want to add? No, that's it. It's time to go. It is time to go. So as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. I have been Graham Raddings. And you have been listening to Osmium. And we will see you again <laughs> next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Love me and... <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuda, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.